welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 27. Once again with this, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing fantastic tonight. How are you? I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm doing great tonight, man. How are you doing? Uh, it's doing good. I like the little uh, I like your uh, voice there. It fits right into today's show as today we are covering GCW's Planet Death. You did it better than I did. Uh, Planet Death. Yeah, that sounds way better. <laughs> Planet Death in Japan. It is their first show of the three, technically four shows that they did during their tour in Japan. Uh, as we said in the last podcast, we will probably we'll see how long it goes. We will probably uh, do two in a episode because they are shorter shows with a lot less matches. So we might try to fit in two episodes in one. But if we do do two episodes, we'll let you know at the end uh, to see how it goes. But this will start off a fun tour of Japan uh, right away when I saw them announce all the cards. A lot of violence was expected on my end. And I yeah. liked the... Kind of the crazy matches that were uh, booked here. They could have done the typical booking that stylistically made it really good, but I kind of like how they went outside the box here and picked uh, different competitors with different styles in each match, and it made for a more fun Japan show because we got to see a lot of versatility and a lot of differences between all the competitors throughout the night. Um, What was your pre-show thoughts before we covered GW's Planet Death? Okay, so I'm right from the opening, I had realized, and I think I want everyone to know who hasn't seen this that's listening to us now, this was more of a freedom show. So you were seeing more of a freedoms presentation. This wasn't a GCW crowd. This wasn't even a GCW ring. This is purely freedoms. And you could see it uh, even in the ring. The corners did not have turnbuckles as much as they had more or less the boxing pads. So... I just wanted to get that out of the way, even with the crowd. The crowd was uh, not cheer. Uh, they were not yelling. They were not standing. It was polite clapping. This was just how it is there. And I wanted to explain that ahead of time also, because that really takes a lot of the air out of the GCW show. And I did not realize how much that crowd mattered on TV, even um, until we don't have them. Yeah, so I, I wanted to make that little statement beforehand because this is way different than GCW fans are used to. And this uh, these podcasts where we're reviewing these shows are going to feel a little different probably as well because yes, there was zero commentary throughout the evenings or throughout all the shows. So there was no commentary. Um, the crowd, obviously, there's still, I guess, at some places are aren't allowed to uh, cheer. So there was not really cheering, but there was a lot of clapping. Um, and with there not being really any commentary and the way the matches were kind of set up, it was kind of just for fun, entertaining matchups for the fans in attendance and for us watching at home uh, for these cards. It's not really any storytelling or storylines that happened during these matches. So um, it's a lot of just what we're going to be covering is a lot of the in-ring action and maybe what possibilities we would like to see in the future. But for commentary, storyline purposes, there was not really much. So that's why these shows... We might be able to cover two and one because they are shorter and there just seems to be a lot less uh, explaining to do because all the action was told in the ring. And we will start off our GCW Japan tour. Planet Death opened up with a six-way scramble as Jimmy Lloyd, Kikotaro, Nick Wayne, Jordan Oliver, Sakuda, and the return of the Invisible Man were the six competitors for this six 
a scramble. And I right away knew that as soon as I see Kikotaru and I saw the Invisible Man announced, uh, I thought for sure this was going to be a comedy scramble, which it did start off that way, but had pretty good in-ring action for the short amount of time it was given. What was your thoughts on this match? So I was really surprised in retrospect to find out this was less than a six-minute match. I, I'm really, really surprised. I think this is one of the shorter matches I may have reviewed in in the podcast history. So <laughs> I'm writing this at 2 a.m. in the morning, so I will explain this ahead. Of, I'll say this ahead of time. The reappearance of the Invisible Man. He looks like he's been working out. He flew into Baltimore to say hi. I didn't have a chance to see him. I'm sorry. At 2 in the morning, that shit sounded funny. I'm only giving it that because if anybody wants to make fun of me, there's some material. This was uh, the usual fast-paced spots. Nice uh, Wayne Oliver teamwork that went on. The polite clapping was killing me. It didn't take long to sink in. The brawl spills to the outside for a while. I was starting to realize how small the referee was. But yeah, Wayne looked great. Lloyd was destroying everyone. He was in Hulk mode during this match. But um, yeah, it was interesting with no commentary. If we could, please, maybe just a voiceover. Send the video to somebody. Maybe have KG do a voiceover would have been nice. Uh, great fast pace opener, though. That's that's my whole opinion on this one. Um, again, with no commentary, it kind of takes out some of my stuff and there's no storyline to push forward. So that's what I have, my friend. I, I had the same solution before I kind of go on my thoughts on the match. I kind of had the same solutions. Like we've seen this for like New Japan where, hey, uh, if we're not going to send our commentary team out there, the English commentary specifically to uh, cover the show and give live commentary i have seen in the past where they have now given a as you said a satellite feed over to whoever's doing the commentary from whatever location they're commentating on the show and we still as we're watching the show we still got live english commentary to be able to understand storylines or to hear how to pronounce the right names or to hear who's even involved in the match what the match is about because other than the ring announcer who kind of just stayed on the outside anyway and did her ring announcing, uh, we <laughs> it was just like all in ring action, and I it just really took away to a lot of information that could have been pertinent for these matches or explanations. So that's why I just felt like okay, after watching these, I just felt like hey, I'm just watching good wrestling and like watching it on mute with nothing being given because a lot of these talents, uh we don't see that come over to the state. So they're really just enjoying kind of having a dream matchup on their land because we won't be seeing probably much of a lot of these competitors in the U S. Right, right. So they took advantage of that, which was cool to see. And um, yeah, for an opener and seeing Kikotaro and invisible man, I was like, I really wanted to hear what Kikotaro was saying. I could kind of understand it a little bit, but I kind of, his character's funny. Like it, it's kind of grown on me. I didn't really like it at the beginning when I first. I used to see him kind of a lot in Ring of Honor, um, in Vegas. He didn't seem to do a lot of the opening shows in Ring of Honor in Vegas. So, um, I saw a lot of him there. He's he's a good comment, uh, comedic act, and I I do I was kind of glad to see him again. Um, and yeah, this was a very short match. It was go go go. Jordan or not Jordan? No, Jimmy did have quite a bit of offense, which I kind of like seeing because I know the the Japanese crowd really really loves Jimmy Lloyd. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I think it was on like their last tour over there. He was like him and Schlack were one of the most over people on the roster that they were chanting for. So it was kind of nice seeing Jimmy Lloyd getting a lot of stuff in and making the crowd happy um, during the scramble match. Uh, Jordan. Does pick up the victory as he does hit a clout cutter on Jimmy Lloyd. As you said, there wasn't really much action for the five minutes. It was 
I think the one big spot I remember is them diving to the outside and uh and the Invisible Man pinning Kikotaro and kind of Invisible Man had his uh, uh, offensive flurry during the match as well, which is always fun to see. But yeah, it's a nice entertaining match. Not the normal high action paced uh, BCW opener that we see, but I like I said, it's, it's a different show. So we're going to see a lot of different things. And for an opener, I don't mind it because I know uh, I would rather kind of get the comedy out of the way because I know the rest of the night is going to be a lot of violence. <laughs> pretty much every single match, pretty much the rest of the night and the rest of and show was filled with death matches of course i'm not going to complain about and yeah great opener good jordan oliver gets another big victory i'm kind of glad it wasn't yeah. a victory over the invisible man because uh it would have been harder to justify jordan uh getting the title shot after beating them but that was the little comedic thing that i was had going on in my mind i was like please don't beat the invisible man please don't beat the invisible man oh my gosh um so I was starting to think a little bit more about how the presentation uh, was going on and how there was no commentary. I was kind of wondering if the situation primarily was um, we wanted to drop GCW directly into Japanese wrestling culture. I'm just wondering if that's what it was, because hearing the voices and hearing the vocalization of the struggles in Japanese wrestling are part of the show. And I don't know if you noticed, but you saw that a lot with Effie, with Cole, with Oliver, um, especially with Cole, because I'd never heard him be so vocal. So it was really interesting and it added a different dimension to to the wrestlers. So the only thing I was thinking was maybe they did that to make, um, you know, to drop to drop GCW directly into Japanese cultures. One of the things I was maybe thinking, well, I I don't know what I watched. Well, I got to go I. I want to go back and rewatch the last time they were in Japan just to see if there mm -hmm. was any commentary because that's uh, what I was thinking when I watched this, but I never did go back and check it out. But that's something I want to go do just to see if they wanted to keep the authentic freedoms kind of presentation, as you said, the Japanese presentation, and just put it, it in GCW into the little puzzle that they have for them. Or if the last time that I, I think I remember hearing KG's voice on. Uh, Last time they were in Japan or somebody's voice, but um, I will have to go back and double check that. But like I said, it was a, right away. It just felt like, okay, there's good. It's going to be a different kind of night. And I wasn't upset about it. Cause I just based off the matchups, there was a lot of intriguing matchups and uh, all the violence that was to come. I was going to just focus on the violence instead of what was going on around it, which is sometimes kind of good. It just feels kind of good to sometimes just turn your brain off and enjoy a nice match for what it is and what it was. And that's yeah, kind of, yeah. after the first match, that's kind of what I did for the rest of the two, two shows that we saw in Japan that have been uh, put out already. Um, I was just like, you know what, let's just turn off the sound completely and just enjoy the in-ring action and kind of see what goes on. And, uh, I think that made it better for me, kind of accepting what it was going to be. And um, it was fun, though. Very fun night. Very good way to start off the match with this. Our second matchup of the evening is, of course, like I said, a death match. And competitors were Violento Jack going against Raddy Daddy Cole Radrick. And I will, I will have to make a shameful admission here. When I was first starting getting into independent wrestling and GCW wrestling, and for that matter, deathmatch wrestling, um, I for the long for the longest time thought Violento Jack was uh Yedo Extremo just with a different name in Japan. 
really i have to shamefully admit that i was a thousand percent wrong on that for the longest time but yeah that's what i was like originally thought then i saw violento jack again i'm like okay i know that's not miedo so who's the real violento jack but uh this was a fun match like like superman like you haven't seen him and clark kent in the same room so maybe i don't know i just i don't that's me not no, that's the ignorance of when I started going into GCW wrestling, independent wrestling, deathmatch wrestling. I didn't I was yeah. learning all the competitors' names and that was like I just always every time I see Violento Jack, I always think of like, man, I was pretty dumb at that time. But it's all right. I was learning. <laughs> it's all it's always good to learn new things. Uh this was a fun match. Uh like pretty much all these matches were nice and short. So uh they did put a lot of violence into this short match and seeing kind of Cole Radrick in a GCW ring in Japan kind of made me very happy to see that he earned their trust and got to go overseas with them and put on a great show for the Japanese fan uh, fans. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so I'm starting to see that the norm may be Cole coming out with this high energy entrance. I really do like it. I think it uh, it adds to the excitement of what he does, and what he does is exciting. It's a fucking death match. Um, this is my first time seeing Jack and I really did like him a lot. He was a decently like thick built guy, which is really nice because you're in there with a piece of meat. I rarely hear Cole verbally ever at all in a lot of the matches I've seen him in. And you can tell he studied the Japanese style of wrestling because you can see in the changeup of his personal style when he wrestles. It's much more vocal. It's a little more animated towards the Japanese style of, you know, they're very good with surprise, the surprise face and the open hands, and they do that a lot. So uh, Jack really did make Cole look good, and I can't say that there was no lack of trying there. Neither men were really truly dominant. It was a back and forth, but even then, it's just Jack was doing so much to make Cole really look good okay so except a couple things that did go on in this match a barbed wire wrap chair was in there Cole was slammed on it it looked ugly another chair was brought in that had gusset plates attached to it cole gets his head pushed into him and then cole grabs a hold of jack and pushes jack's head into it and then they end up taking their own heads and pushing <laughs> their own heads into it there was another spot where there was a, a, a can they're like a chair or some type of a yeah it was a yeah, chair, chair with soda cans, soda cans yep cut in half it looked nasty jack did a swanton bomb onto the chair and the cans completely crushed on cole's body it was and then there was a spot where cole did a nice backflip onto a barbed wire chair and that is how i feel about this match yeah i every time i see the the cans come out and they're cut in half i'm always like shocked that there's not as much damage to these wrestlers after they receive a move onto those cans as i've always seen they kind of come out pretty clean not clean but not as sliced up as i would imagine they right, could do. right. every time i see that spot i'm always wondering like man someone's gonna get sliced pretty bad but mm-hmm. um yeah there weren't that many weapons in this match they had like as you said the chair the cans and then the bar uh barbed wire stuff so uh I like how they kind of saved all that stuff. Each match and did involve different weapons and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool seeing throughout the night. Um, yeah, this one was good. A nice, quick, fast-paced match. But that's what Jack did all his moves. Uh, Cole kind of took most of the damage here. It's always... <laughs> I know it's going to sound weird. It's always nice seeing Cole bleeding because it just adds to the underdog story that he seems to kind of have going. And that was what makes everyone cheer for him as loud as we do and get behind him as much as we do. Because... 
uh seeing the pain on his face and the blood streaking down his face it just adds that uh emotional value to this match and i always love seeing cole get beat up like that because he tells a great story with all the blood that and punishment that matches um i was actually surprised to see cole lose uh uh-huh. to jack because i thought maybe they would just try to keep Cole a little bit stronger but i don't mind it because it's not a wasn't for the title uh it was just a nice fun death match so i'm not too mad at cole losing and obviously the freedoms people got to get their wins too it can't just be gcw right. dominated everything so i don't hate the move i don't like it i don't think or i don't hate it i don't mind it i don't think it takes any way anything away from Cole's extreme run. I think if anything, that's gonna next time he crosses path with Violento Jack, uh, maybe some comeuppance will uh, be happening during the match. But fun match, good way to start off the first death match of the evening. And I thought uh, it was cool that Jack went over there and said, "Let me teach you some Japanese," you know. And then he yeah. basically said, "Whatever," and he said, "It means basically, please, one more time." And I thought that was fantastic. And in my notes, uh, my last note here on this was that it's starting to sink in watching without a GCW like rabid fan base is really, really, really killing it for me. And for some of the wrestlers, you can tell they don't have the fans to play off of. It's just not the same. And the clapping after a while, because, and I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is, but for a while, the clapping was getting monotonous and it was like hard for me to review because every five seconds it's clap, 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 clap. And then you can count seven, 1,000, eight, 1,000, and then clap, 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 clap. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like someone hammering in another room. That's what it came off yeah. like. So I just had to at least mention that for a moment. For me, what kind of not killed it, but made it interesting, I actually kind of laughed at it, was like right away, like a lot of the people on the entrances are in the chairs. Like as you said, no one was standing. They're all sitting. But like if you look at over half of them, they're all dressed up like they're just about to either go to work or just got off of work at a. Yeah. At, at, like they're all wearing business suits and stuff like that. So some were on their phones. Yeah. Some weren't even clapping. I'm like, this is such a weird detached crowd. Yeah. And it's weird. I, I know that I think. Obviously, the restrictions that there's put on the crowds out there kind of hurt a lot because I remember last, last time they were in Japan, they were loud. They were like cheering yeah. and doing all the kind of not all the same cheers, but they were doing Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, like which was yeah. so awesome scene. So uh, it did take it away from it. But like I said, after that first match, I just by the way, just turned off the turned off the sound and just like, let me enjoy the. The wrestling for what it is and but it is a yeah. very totally change the pace on the field the how the nights are going to go when you see all the fans sitting um you see a lot more business former formal dressed people um and stuff like that so i always like the interesting differences in the different cultures and how the wrestling fans in different uh countries and stuff like that i always like seeing how how our wrestlers react to stuff like that because i have always heard like other wrestlers when you're wrestling Japan, you're always like waiting for the big pop that you just did a crazy move. But since they're so respectful of the talent that's in the ring, they don't want to make it's it's kind of the opposite of the Liverpool crowd, where well, yeah. the Liverpool yeah. crowd wants to be a big part of the show where the, while they don't take anything away from the in-ring action, they're making a point to make themselves get over with the crowds with their creative cheers and their energy they bring throughout the night, where the Japan people are like, No, we're here to enjoy the wrestling. You don't want to take anything away from them. We're going to respect the wrestlers and let them tell their story and get behind them. But we don't want to cheer and do all these things that take away from what's happening in the ring. So I do know that for sure, because I saw pictures and everything else, that real fans are there 
they were there for sure. And they waited so long to see GCW so that they can sit there and clap. I feel so bad for the real fans because those are brothers and sisters overseas. And, you know, they probably sat there and went, man, I'm going to fucking clap as loud as I can because that's all they got to yep. work with. I've I've come out of shows with my hands hurting from clapping. You have too, dude. We had no a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking lose our voices on day one of a three day weekend. It's like shit. Um, but yeah, I feel bad for the fans that did show up there that are the real fans that wanted to do so much more. So I wanted to say that because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm saying this about the fans, but honestly, there were so many fans decked out in GCW gear that we didn't see on screen, but we saw quite a few pictures yep. on Patreon yes. and other places that showed long ass lines yep. of people decked out in GCW shit. So those are our brothers and sisters. It was really awesome to see them come out. But boy, were they fucking restricted. And I really wish they were allowed to just fucking let go. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was just about yeah. to say before we head into the next match, just because we were kind of talking about Cole Radrick since he was in this match. Um, Cole like posted pictures of like the fans that brought stuff for him and like yeah. To, to yeah. support him and stuff like that. Like he thought that was so crazy. And I still think it's so cool seeing, as you said, they are that those Patreon, those Patreon pictures make this show feel way more um not better like a sh like our show yeah like because, more more like us yeah those merch lines i saw were insane and that kind of feels like when you first get to the gcw shows before the matches start you see the insane gcw lines trying to get their merch from their favorite wrestlers in, in japan it was absolutely like that but then yeah as you saw that's where we got to see the gcw shirts the gcw fan-made items that they yes. either gave to the wrestlers or uh, held up throughout the night and stuff like that so that was very cool seeing those pictures i think that told a better story than if you just watch something if you just watch this without knowing any of that stuff you would be like yeah. why did gcw do a show here because the fans aren't that into it <clears throat> doesn't feel like a GCW. but those patreon pictures did uh gcw way more uh uh service it did the show. fans justice yeah, yeah justice that's but yeah that was pretty it was pretty fun seeing all those pictures on gcw patreon that will lead us to our third match of the evening as we have a return to the GCW ring. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fucking Schlack. As Schlack makes his return into a GCW <laughs> ring as he teams up with Effie to go against the team of Masaoka and Sasaki. And yeah, it was nice seeing schlack in a gcw <laughs> ring um that that's the word i'm going to use it is nice seeing him in a gcw ring he as crazy as he is and just the look on him and everything the japanese crowd loves him like he is probably the most over gcw wrestler in japan and i like yeah he's <laughs> he brings like an old school like more tatted up but and menacing kind of a bruiser brody to the Japanese ring is what I always see. Because when he comes out, you just see the awe that the Japanese fans have in their eyes. Because yep. they're seeing this big old tatted up guy with mohawks who's unstable. And is always putting bags over people's head and cutting himself up. Like, he's just like one of those monsters that looks like it fits in so good with the Japanese crowd. And I just love how they like treat him as a like big scary monster like that. <laughs> okay, so... My turn. Yes. Schlack. I'm so happy to see Schlack back. He deserves to be in a GCW ring. I believe that's where he belongs. I believe GCW is where Schlack should stay. 
I am still realizing how much more vocal Japanese style wrestling is like all these things are kind of sinking in as the night's rolling on. So I kind of wanted to share them because I'm sure other people have these feelings too, but these feelings just aren't always shared. So I thought it was cool to go along with that because some of my feelings about say a freedom show, I'll never feel that way again. I'll never have a first time again. So, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, Daisuke, Daisuke. How would we like to say that? I don't want to um, be wrong, but the uh, the last time I seen that kind of that spelling was it was pronounced Dice K for like the Dice K, yeah, socks, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, I was I was looking at it. Dice K had Dice K had cornrows. I thought that was uh, that <laughs> that was just different. You don't see you don't see a Japanese wrestler with cornrows very often. I was noticing in this match that Effie was trying to force himself on his opponent a lot. That's kind of the thing he likes to do. So. I'm realizing that via storyline, Effie is like Pepe Le Pew. Like he's always kind of doing his thing where he's over there. And and uh, I just hope he stays nice and safe with all that stuff out there. But um, yeah, I see that sometimes. And I go, man, I see him over there. It's like he's like Pepe Le Pew. He's like, hey, come here more and more and more. Like it's so Looney Tunesy almost. So, I mean, when it comes to that type of character, as long as he keeps that in that nice little box there where it's enjoyable then i think he's got a great thing going there because we don't see that as much as i know in wrestling i think we saw it with session moth a little but we don't have a lot of female wrestlers anymore that are like oh you know you want me and really use it in a match against a man you know or yeah. against their opponent um there was a couple spots here that were interesting there was a barbed wire baseball bat directly into uh, uh, schlack's chest that was brutal brutal yeah that was uh, bad Effie is now twisting nipples and biting, and then Effie gets a wedgie and slapped on the ass. So like I said, this is Pepe Le Pew, is what I kind of look at it as. Um, Pepe Le Pew, maybe. Um, Effie has a sake and a tarantula, and I love the tarantula. I've noticed that ever since that really loose roped match, I think at Big Gay Brunch, he stopped doing the full tarantula. So now he only hooks his legs on the arms up top and he lets the bottom kind of dangle. I noticed that because I've always been a big fan of that move. Um, Sasuke, Sasaki saying GCF and W like a Japanese, <laughs> Japanese and then GCF and W. I thought that was fantastic. It was a good match um, where the GCW guys were able to shine. So I was satisfied. This was a good middle of the middle of the show match. Yeah. When I was watching after the, uh, these matches, I was always wondering, like, I was like, who's going to be coming over with Rena or Drew Parker or mm-hmm. Takeda and stuff like that? I'm like, who's going to be the next Segura that comes over with the Japanese uh, deathmatch wrestlers that get involved in these tournaments? And um, who was, which one had the cornrows? You said it was Mas- Masaoka? Uh, yes, yeah. Daisuke. Yeah, Daisuke. I'd really like think. Uh, I would like. I think he would fit in in the deathmatch scene in uh, GCW because oh he has yeah, that, he has like he looks like the kind of like the I always call June Kasai like the Shinsuke the deathmatch version of Shinsuke Nakamura just kind of off the look and the charisma and stuff like that. And with Masaoka, I was like, okay, he's the deathmatch version of Minoru Suzuki because of the look and the hair and stuff like that. So I wouldn't mind seeing him uh, get some more run in a GCW ring to just kind of see more of him. But this was a fun, entertaining match. Slack, it is nice seeing him back in a GCW ring. Um, Teaming with Effie as they pick up the victory. Uh, As Effie, as you said, had, um, I forgot who it was, in the tarantula. Slack does uh, the 
sit down power bomb onto Masaoka for the victory. And it was a fun. Nice seeing Schlack back in the ring. Schlack Welcome looked, back. Buddy. Yeah, he looked like his normal self. Didn't look like he was like loose or out of it. I know he's been staying. He active looks fucking wired and yeah. jacked. I, he looked <laughs> he looked amped. My word was amped yeah, to be in yeah. GCW again. And then out of all places to make his return to Japan, which was pretty special to see. Because obviously we see that they didn't bring a lot of or normal roster commentators, referees that they normally have at their yeah, shows. Yeah. They brought over a certain group of people, but Slack at the time would have been one of the last people I would have thought until they announced mm-hmm. that he is back in GCW. So it was kind of a good feel-good moment for Slack to get back in there and make his return, especially in That will lead us to our fourth match of the evening as Takeda goes one-on-one yeah. with John Wayne Murdoch. And I'm just so happy to see uh, Takeda back in the ring, back in a GCW ring. And I thought this was a great opponent because I don't remember these two ever crossing paths. I'm trying to think real briefly of the last... Nope, because yeah, John Wayne Murdoch wasn't even in there. So, uh, yeah, I this is a match that I would very looking... Very much looking forward to see these two uh, deathmatch kind of upper tier deathmatch wrestlers to go at it. And I had never seen it happen before, so I was pumped. And this match (laughs) did not deliver. John Wayne Murdoch is back to his uh, taking a lot of the punishment ways as he did in Liverpool. What was your thoughts on on this match, John? Okay, so there was a lot going on here in nine and a half minutes. So I have an incredible amount of bullet points, and I'm going to swing through these so people can understand the amount of violence that went on in nine and a half minutes here. So before this match even starts, out come gussets, a ladder, chairs, and a bunch of light tubes. Light tubes are swinging as the beginning bell is ringing. I didn't mean that. It just ended up sounding so wonderful I had to say it. Double gussets in each other's heads. Both are bleeding. John Wayne Murdoch is busted good in the first two minutes. Murdoch is then stabbed with scissors. Murdoch was then made to bite a light tube and then kicked in the back of the head. Murdoch was thrown on a board of forks. Uh, Light tube dust, the old spooky dust, was freaking everywhere. Takeda on top of a ladder. Swanton dive off the top onto light tubes placed on Murdoch's chest. Murdoch was taking all the damage was the note I put at that point. I think everybody else can kind of figure that out. Murdoch finally gets a little offense in with a Canadian destroyer on Takeda onto the fork board. Takeda decides he was going to gusset his own head because he wasn't bleeding enough. And I think that's fair in a death match. Murdoch did a lot to protect Takeda by taking the brunt of the damage. And I want to say that's a total professional. I also want to say, if no one else says it, John Wayne fucking Murdoch, these last five to six matches have been taking some incredible bumps for his paycheck. Much respect to him for putting his ass on the line so much. And all of these guys do. But Murdoch is really, really, really taking some high risk maneuvers. And yeah, a lot of respect to him for that. Yeah, to me, the move of the night was that Takeda jump off that ladder to the outside onto yeah. Murdoch. That was pretty incredible watching. Um, not a gripe, but I was just like, why Takeda? So Murdoch was on the on the ground already to the outside on the ramp. And then uh, Takeda threw a bunch of chairs on him, which I thought would have been enough. But then he threw some light tubes on the chairs. I'm like, the light tubes aren't going to get to John Wayne Murdoch. <laughs> right. It's going to hurt you. But as you said... It could be Takata, or Takeda saying like, hey, I'm about to make you bleed, but I'll make myself bleed. Like the old Alex Cologne. Yeah. One for, yeah. Two for you, one for me. Two for you, one for me. So that was the only thing. I was like, why did he put light tubes on top? But whatever. I'm not going to 
dive into it was a very nice visual seeing the glass explode coming oh from yeah, the yeah from the ladder and then yeah the ending was crazy to me when john wayne murdoch hits the canadian destroyer onto the the board of forks like that fork board yeah, yeah. that fork board i saw that i'm like oh that's gonna be bad and that's why i love watching as i said with the liverpools but as you said what, what did epi call the stick with the beer cans on it that was a uh, a kando stick yeah seeing all the inventive so. weapons like that and seeing the 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 not so normal fuckery that we normally see in a GCW ring always makes my anxiety go up because yes, I want to see the violence, but I also want like, hey, make sure you're good to wrestle tomorrow night and stuff like that too. But uh, while you're doing that, give me the violence. And this was a very violent match. John May Murdoch, he's definitely stepping up, taking the punishment, but having these great matches with these Japanese people or the people in the Liverpool area. So I like seeing John Wayne Murdoch getting these uh, bigger name matches because He's over the last two, three years. He's like the Iron Man of deathmatch wrestling, wrestling all the time and wrestling so much. So, so it's kind of nice seeing him getting these bigger names to kind of show off his craft and how much he's uh, been getting better at it and proven to the world that he's one of the top deathmatch wrestlers now, not just in the U.S., but in the world. So very nice seeing John Wayne Murdoch's hard work paying off. And like I said, Takeda so awesome and seeing a professional, as you said, work like that because... Takeda is one of the great deathmatch wrestlers that we I don't think it's recognized enough as much as he should. Um, yes. But seeing him back in the ring and after everything he's been through earlier this year, it's always nice to see him kind of overcome that adversity and make an appearance for GW. And I just want to make that known because I don't take seeing non-regulars wrestle. I don't take I, for granted um, what I'm witnessing because we might not see it again for whatever reasons. Like we almost didn't see Takeda because he retired for a little bit as you yeah. mentioned in your notes there so it's it is kind of nice seeing him back in and that ending when he dropped uh John Wayne Murdoch onto that same damn fork board too was kind of insane. brutal that was like right brutal. on his head and neck too so that was pretty bad but like I said like not much no commentary or nothing it's just all the crazy action and the fun happened in the ring and it's it's been a nice change of pace a lot shorter death matches and but still being just as violent as if it yeah. would have been if it was drawn out. So I do like seeing the different, the now the kind of the two different pacings death matches that they've been kind of using or experimenting with. And it's been fun to see. So I definitely didn't mind a nine minute match between these two. Same thing. If it was 20, I wouldn't mind seeing that yeah. either. So yeah. uh, love seeing though, two very good death matches on the top of their game going one-on-one against each other. And it delivered. That will lead us into, as weird as it sounds, our co-main event of the evening already. The fifth matchup of the night as the GCW Ultraviolence title is on the line as the champion Rina Yamashita defends the Ultraviolent title against one of these fun, interesting matches. Vance Warner. Fuck and yeah. yeah, this was another one. I'm like, yes, I want to see these two go at it. I just want to see Rina... I know I've seen like Mance Warner kind of not take liberties, but when he had his match with Alley Catch, it was pretty brutal. The how he just beat the shit out of Alley Catch like a, over a year ago, maybe two years ago, when Alley Catch was just starting GCW. But I just remember the ass whooping that Mance was giving her, and I saw Rena. I was like, "Good, this is Rena's time to say, nope, you ain't gonna do that to me. I'm gonna kick your ass with all these weapons." And I loved this match. I loved just them two just even being announced against each other. And for the ultraviolet title, I thought this was going to be fantastic. I actually was getting a little not worried. I wouldn't mind if 
Vance Warner would be the ultraviolet title. But I was wondering if this is how they're going to kind of bring that title back to oh, the U.S. Yeah. of having her drop it to Vance Warner. Um, that was a thought that was going through my head throughout this match. So like every every near fall or every count, I was like, oh, like on the edge of my seat. Is this the time Vance is going to win? Um, what was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so this is going to be one of those death matches I'm telling everybody right now where I'm going to kind of run down minute by minute. And I didn't know this was going to happen this way until I got about four minutes in and I realized I think I need to start banging these out. And one of the reasons why I decided also to bang these out was because there was such a variety of weapons and offense used in this match. It only made sense to kind of describe them all because they work so hard to use them. It only makes sense to, you know, give them justice for those. So the first thing I noticed was Rena was very vocal. It was that Japanese style. I've never heard her really use that before. Every now and then maybe a scream yeah. over in GCW and on our coast. But yeah, that was really nice to see. It was just different. It was more her style and less her trying to do the American, you know, adaptation. So here we go. All right. Minute one, light tubes to both. Minute two, skewers to Mance, chair to Mance. Minute three, board with barbed wire on Rena. Minute four, barbed wire cutting Rena's head and a cheese grater was involved. Minute five, Rena beaten with a chair. Minute six, another barbed wire board comes out in use. Minute seven, Rena dropping herself onto light tubes. That's one of her favorite spots. I, I love it. Minute eight, man suplexed from top rope onto barbed wire board. I guess that would be a superplex avalanche suplex um minute nine rena wraps herself in barbed wire and they bust light tubes on each other minute 10 we're getting close to the finish here clutch the nuts coochie clutch mance fails our winner rena yamashita dropped mance onto a bunch of chairs with light tubes and barbed wire etc this fucking match had a lot of violence i 100 percent enjoyed it that was absolutely wonderful i didn't even think about the fact that this could have been the night that that rena turns that belt over i i didn't even think about that dimension that's so crazy it oh man yeah that could have happened dude yeah that's why i was kind of wow. just keeping an eye out on it because i don't i didn't know what the plans were if she's coming back to the states with them for ngi coming up here soon or um maybe they just wanted to get the belt on man's i i just thought there was a lot of possibilities here which always makes the matches a lot more fun because you don't know what's going to happen with the ending right. and stuff like that so um yeah man's is liking these light tubes a little bit too much man he is swinging these <laughs> things like he is chopping wood or swinging a baseball bat like he just <laughs> he is following through with these and i like seeing him getting even more violence normally with him i kind of describe that as the extreme title where he'll do chairs and doors and all this other stuff but I'd, like these last few uh few months that he's been wrestling we've seen him now using way more light tubes and on all that other stuff so he's getting he's bumping up the violence on his end and it's kind of nice seeing even though i don't think he needs to go that deep into it at this stage in his career and like kind of how he's being portrayed right now i don't think he needs to go that violent but when the situation calls for it he is more than willing to step up and do it and this was a great match this was fun and i think for me what made it so much more fun was both of their facial reactions to everything like yeah Mina's facial reactions are top of the line Vance Warner, when he got kicked Yamash, uh, Yamashita and Yamashita did the whole Matrix kind of falling over. Vance, yeah, like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Wait, wait, don't fall. Oh, hold on. Oh, she's coming back up. Uh oh. And then he stares at her and Yamashita gets him. Like, I just love the facial reactions during these matches because 
these two are incredible at it and it makes it that much more enjoyable for me and yeah this match was fun it was very fun i would definitely want to see them kind of roll it back again because they just <laughs> as you said it was a 12 12 minute match but it was just non-stop go 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 and uh rena definitely deserves to keep the belt i am glad she does keep it here um she does beat mance warner i do like to kind of see her defended a little bit more in the states because she really just won it and then i think left the next day or maybe she defended it the next day and then left but i would i'm gonna see more of rena defending the ultraviolet belt here in the states um against maybe now going through the sgc i want to see her against matthew justice now and see what happens in those kind of matches but very 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 fun match uh lead us into our main events of the and in our main event of the evening, it is a three-way death match as Drew Parker goes against Alex Cologne. And instead of them going one-on-one, this time we are adding Toro Segura. And it is very Ooh. nice seeing Segura back in a GCW ring. I am a big fan of his during the TOS run that he had. Um, he fits right in with those two wrestlers because... They're not just swinging light tubes and putting each other through barbed bar wire doors. They are doing wrestling moves with the light tubes, through the doors, through the tables, using all the crazy fuckery in creative ways. And I was all into this match even before it happened. And during the match, I was kind of on the edge of my seat here just seeing all the violence that these three uh, gave each other throughout this match. What was your thoughts on the match? Big light tube bundles coming out, light tubes attached to the ropes fucking tubes 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 it was just light tubes everywhere i'll just give it away real quick 90 percent plus of all the offense in this match involved breaking glass they were incredible with the use of how much glass and the innovative ways that they use the glass uh during their offensive spots the men at some point were trading sides to form teams with each other when it suited them and that dynamic was kind of nice yes um it really did help in a match like this Parker speaks excellent Spanish, uh, Spanish. He speaks excellent Japanese. I wanted to mention that he closed out this night. I, it's just, my notes ended up having it here. He was very vocal in this match. So I wanted to make sure that was covered. There was a ton of glass everywhere. You had a whole team of people working to remove glass so that these guys wouldn't hurt themselves further. Um, mostly this stayed in the ring. There was a whole shitload going on for the time that would, that had, uh, that had passed here. This one is honestly better seen than described. I, I, yeah, better seen than described. And yeah, I, I, I highly agree with you just because of the lack of commentary and stuff like that. Um, we're doing our best to give the in-ring, uh, action, <laughs> the credit it deserves. Cause it was incredible, but as kind of the that theme main event the three the theme throughout these kind of things was it didn't get elevated because of the commentary or the crowd cheering and stuff like that but these three absolutely killed it um i i expected as you said a great match and it was even better than what i expected because they 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 don't just do the same moves and do the same stuff and have the same matches that they've had before they just always find ways to be innovative and do different moves or Call back to a spot where, hey, it worked last time, but this time it got countered because I learned from the last time. Or last time I tried this move, it didn't work that night, but tonight it worked because I found a way to trick you and get you into that move and stuff like that. So I thought there was a lot of storyline being told throughout this match. And not storylines, but uh, like the story of who wants to win this match was 
greatly told throughout this match because, like I said, all three competitors are excellent wrestlers, and then you just incorporate the violence and the deathmatch setting into it. It just makes that, to me, the violence just enhances the match and makes it more fun, and this was incredible. I, Drew Parker, please... Please, somehow, some way, just start touring with GCW all the time because I think, <laughs> no pun intended, but I think he could be a game changer in oh shit just, quality just being on every single show and the run <laughs> that he could go on with these matches and the fans clamoring for it to see him a lot more. I think Drew Parker could be one of these people we could attach that belt to and he could kind of carry us into the, oh. as I said, it's been a while since I yeah, said this, yeah. but uh, into a new era of GCW. Yeah. So I think that would be, he'd be a great face to kind of lead us into the new era. But, um, oh, the darts, the darts, though. I love it when he plays 301. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know, man. They always just bust out the darts and they're playing 301, first one to 301. I, I love the darts yeah. scene. I love the darts and, and stuff like that. I think uh, in the UK, or the, the Liverpool show we covered, uh, there was like one where he threw it at John Wayne Murdoch. It didn't stick, but you see John Wayne kind of like steal it because he felt it, but it didn't stick in his skin. And Drew's like, hold on, big fella. I got to do it again. <laughs> you ain't done yet. I got to redo this one. So I, I love everything that Drew does. I think he is. One of these, like, I don't want to say generational talents, but for death matches, I think he is a generational death match wrestler because he's just so good at everything he does and he's so fearless and it's he's incredible to watch. And he's still so young that there's a bright future that he could be told. And I would like for him to tell that future in a GCW ring. So hopefully we'll get that uh, sometime here soon. And our winner for the match, Drew Parker, as he hits this swanton dive on Segura to pick up the victory. Um, yeah, incredible match. I highly suggest, like, I know I always suggest buy these shows, buy these shows, but uh, to get the full effect and to see how really good these matches were, because like I said, we're trying our best here with the to add in some what happened during the match while making it why it's relevant, stuff like that. These cards were very action-paced. They had great matches and a lot of violence. So if you're kind of want the, got the the itch to see a lot of people bleed and put on incredible matches, please go check these shows out because uh, they were definitely good. And we haven't even watched the third one yet. The third one's nope, just being released nope. today, so I can't. I, I want to see what happens in the third one because after these first two, they were incredible and just so violent, and I, I loved it. It was a nice change of pace. So no announcing really was a bummer. I'm just saying kind of the obvious um, and it's probably maybe one of the last times I may mention it in the reviews. I'll probably mention it once or twice in each just because I'm a fucking whiner and I need to explain, you know, because I have to review it. It's like I watch it once, then I watch it a second time, and that second time I'm tearing it apart in pieces and there's pause and go. and pause. So um, I did kind of get used to the lack of crowd noise. Uh, after a while, it started to sink in. I accepted this is just what it's going to be. And after a while, the crowd noise kind of went to the back of my head to where I wasn't really recognizing it as much. Um, but it wasn't my style, and that's okay. Um, I'm sure for the real freaking GCW fans that were in attendance, it was not their style either. So, again, to I, I don't know better, but they are our brothers and sisters who really love this shit, too. So, uh, I'm with you guys. But Parker sends home everybody in a wonderful Japanese that I have never heard before out of him until that night. And honestly, he put a lot of work into it. It sounds great. And good for him because I am a hundred percent sure learning Japanese is not easy. Oh my god, yeah. I 
I want to spend like a month and probably two or three months actually in Japan. Like that's kind of like one one place I really want to go. It's just how incredible Japan is with all that stuff. It's clean. Yeah. And I just want to go explore everything. I'd probably go to a lot of wrestling matches, so I could probably still do that here. But I would still just want to go to Japan and just check it out everything because it looks so fun. But uh, the one thing that always kind of is like stopping me, not not just the money, but like, oh, shit, I got to learn all these Japanese stuff or just enough to kind of get me through without right. having a horrible trip. But um, the end, then like, there's that long flight too. that long flight is. Ugh, yeah, that's I never been on a flight that long, too. Yeah, that's another thing. But just to kind of go back, like I like how we see like these. I'm not going to say American because Drew uh, Parker is American, but uh, the foreign wrestlers, the, the gaijin, they call them learning the Japanese uh, language because I think that's what added so much more love to, let's say, I'm going to, Kenny Omega went out there, embraced the culture, put on great matches, become a great wrestler, put on great shows, and he learned the language to cut promos in Japanese where yeah. I think they took that and like, holy shit, he's one of ours now. We love him. He is one of our uh, Japanese wrestlers. And I think the same thing can be said for Drew Parker because he's kind of doing the same exact thing. Is he's super talented where he could be making lots of money out here, but he wants to go out there, learn the craft, how they do it their way. He's went through the trials and tribulations out there in Japan. He's learning it. He's learning their language. Always like willing to him and like Rena. I just love those two together because um they just seem like a I don't I don't even know. They they just seem like a couple, but it's like it just seems like a cool couple that just wants to have lots of violence, but Drew is like learning his the Japanese stuff. I when Rena was out here in Vegas, I saw a lot of her at all these shows when she wasn't wrestling and you can just see how much fun she was having out here in America and embracing our culture for that short of time. So I just I think Drew Parker's one of these people where I he I I hope he's ready to come over here soon. Hope we're ready. GCW's ready to give him the money that he might ask for because it's he's one of these talents. If we let him slip through our hands, I think we're going to be kicking ourselves that we didn't have yep. a lot more Drew Parker in GCW as much as we should have and could. have. Twenty four years old. Ah, oh my god, that's okay. I, I just, so he must have been like nineteen when I saw this match or twenty because I saw a match <laughs> yeah. when he was still not cut. He was still like looked like a regular wrestler with no clean body, no scars, but he looked like like a rocker, like uh, not like yeah, a rocker, yeah. like like a Marty Jannetty or Shawn Michaels, but doing a death match with a bunch of death match people. I'm like, how does he fit in here? And then he went right yeah. away into there. <laughs> doing crazy shit i'm like oh he's one of these people he just loves to do it even though he might not need to do the deathmatch style he just loves to do it and enjoys it so go for it and kill it be happy but i i yeah that's such a young age man gcw's got so much talent they can use it's so incredible and so fun watching them when they do use it it's just it's just been fun to watch and this is another one of these shows and moments where it feels good to just be a gcw fan wasn't the typical GCW show we usually watch, but as they if they don't have the violence, they make up for it with the lucha, the storytelling, the great action. If they don't have, if they have a lot of don't have or they have a lot of violence, they will sit here and give you a cool little scramble that will make your head like explode because of all the crazy moves. I just love how whatever they d- might not be giving you one thing that night, they will absolutely make up for it in another sort of wrestling style that you will enjoy or the fans enjoy. So I just, I am enjoying the GCW run lately and it's been very fun to watch all the different 
styles of venues, the different styles of matches in the UK, them coming back home and enjoying being back home and getting the love back home. It's just been fun that that run they've been on, and I'm glad that I've been watching it and being a part of it, just watching it and enjoying as a fan. And that will lead us into our memorable moments of GCW's Planet Death. John, I'll let you go ahead and go, because I have very short ones here. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. It's nice to not see the Invisible Man back again. Uh, see, I didn't think. Yeah, I know these. They just get fucking drier and drier. Uh, seeing Cole change styles in a Japanese wrestling style, I thought was fantastic. Your laughing's making me laughing. Takeda uh, out of retirement. I thought that was fantastic to see. Murdoch taking another fucking classic beating. I thought was worth mentioning. Rena and Mance and the violence involved between that was just amazing. The uh, the clutch versus the clutch between those two was just fantastic. I, uh, I worlds worlds were shaking in my head. I, I just <laughs> wow. Uh, the main event was good. It was a fantastic amount of glass. This was different than American style. It was enjoyable to see all the difference in these shows. And unless I'm sure it was on purpose, but next time just for us and this is just personal opinion. Get a damn voiceover. It could have even been us. All it is is this. All this is this. You send me a file. All it is is a file. You send it to the person. They play the file and do voiceover. You send it back and and it's done. In in the seven days, it could have been done. But again, but again, maybe that wasn't the intention. And maybe I'm being ignorant and I 100% probably am. I that's what I was just about to say with you. That's where I kind of agree. Like there was, it wasn't like we watched these live because obviously the time differences be at two in the morning. So they were smart enough to at least not do that. But they did like these shows were like last Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, We didn't get these posted until Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Friday coming up. So there was time in between where I saw once I saw that they wasn't live because I was actually ready to watch it live. I was like. Where's it at? And then they fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, they announced it like, hey, it's going to be this show's on uh, whatever date it was, but we're going to show it three days later. I thought they did that to get the uh, commentary. You have maybe spicing up the the presentation or the graphics, and then add the commentary to it, to it, make it all make sense. Because we've seen other kind of wrestling companies do that, where they just want to put on the show live for the fans, but then go and add their awesome, incredible production the show to make it look better come across tv way better and then that's why they make you wait a week to add all that stuff in and then they will put it out there with all the updated commentary the graphics the presentation but um yeah we didn't get that this one which is like i said it's fine it is different um yeah my memorable moments was uh seeing um what's it called what's john wayne murdoch in there with takeda when that was awesome that's kind of like on the short list of dream uh death matches i've been kind of uh Thinking about once I saw that they were going to Japan, I was like, oh, I hope Takeda's back. And then, oh, who can Takeda go against? Well, I've kind of already seen him against Alex Cologne, seen him against Drew Parker. Like, who's another wrestler that we haven't really seen him go against? And uh, John Wayne Murdoch was a perfect uh, opponent for him. So it was nice seeing that part of uh, the night. Um, seeing Schlack back in the ring. <laughs> it is nice seeing Schlack back in the ring. Nice, uh, not surprised there because we knew he had it going in, but. Uh, nice seeing him, though, back in the ring. Uh, Mance Warner getting the chance at the ultraviolet title, but Rena exerting her dominance and holds on to the ultraviolet match or title. That was a fun match. And yeah, the main event was a match for me for the night because all three competitors 
every box that I'd like to really see in deathmatch wrestling. Yeah, I they they put on a performance that I can't complain. It was a very fun night of GW's Planet Death. Planet Death. <laughs> and we will move on in and we will actually cover two shows in one in this episode. And the next show that we are covering from the trip, uh, Japan tour from GCW is GCW's Dead on a... And it opens up for the first match of the evening is a six-man tag match between Strong Hearts, Dima, L. Lindemann, and T-Hawk going against the team of Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne, and Jordan, uh, Dot Jordan, Joey Janela. Uh, what were your thoughts going into this card, John, after watching night one? Okay, so after watching night one, I wanted to insert here that I was saying something about how the Japanese have a style that's kind of not like mine. And <clears throat> then obviously I'm subscribing more to the British style or more the English style. I'm realizing my style really is a British american blend style because i honestly cannot yell for that long um otherwise i could but yeah i just can't do it for that long man um gleet i don't know what that is but the strong hearts had the gleet stuff what was that about it's a promotion it's kind of like a their nickname for a promotion that's out there um added up there because i've seen that word a lot I actually looked it up. Actually, during the show, I looked it up here. Let me see. But uh, it, no, it's fine. like it's a co- it's supposed to be like great, but they put like the G and instead of the R, they put the L, and the L stands for like the company that owns the wrestling company, kind of thing. Oh, like, okay. It's another okay. company. So yeah, it's it's a uh, as far as it's I a know, play on I, words. I could be completely wrong because I've seen it used outside of wrestling too, and like rugby and stuff like that. From this one ref or ring announcer I know. Um, he he does a lot of rugby and stuff, so I know he's always using. I see the word "gleed" all the time. So I actually like when I did my research. From what I realized, for the wrestling term of it is how they were using it here could be their promotion. That like I said, it's a mix. It's a kind of a play mix of words, kind of combined into. Well, what I have realized about the talking portion that we were kind of discussing there just a second ago was that I like the part where you can hear the wrestlers shit talking each other. I do like that. We can hear it so much better. And the other thing I can say that I kind of like, because I felt like I was kind of saying everything bad and, and the whole Japanese stuff, nothing, it's nothing is bad. It's just different from what I may like. Um, yeah, the, the shit talking is fun, but it almost lets your wrestler speak more. So it creates a more personal, you get to know the performer. No, no, you get to more, you get to know the character better. Yeah, so I do like that portion of this style of uh, watching wrestling. Wayne was fast enough, given the late injury that he had in this match. And um, the whole time they're beating on Wayne and Janela, you can hear him yell, he's only 17 years old, which was fantastic. T-Hawk, I had to give him credit for having the darkest tan of the night. I'm guessing he might be some type of a bodybuilder initially because he has the tan and body of someone who's getting ready to go into competition in the next week or two. So uh, maybe, I don't know, but Jordan was working hard through this. A few times, all six men kind of got into a brawl. There was a lot of fantastic triple team moves that happened in this one. Um, This became a good opener about halfway through when the rules fell apart. 
And I'm usually the type of person that loves tag rules. I love to see when there's adherence. But in this match, they were adhering to it for quite a while. But then I think they realized it would just be a hell of a lot more exciting. And then all hell broke loose. And I'm really happy it did because you got to see the tag rules. Then you got to see the breakdown and you got to see which one was more exciting. But everybody got a little something. And yeah, man, uh, only nine and a half minutes, but it it was a great opener. Yeah, this was fun. Um, before I head into my thoughts on the match, uh, I did want to bring up, because I know it's something we have both talked about, and uh, that is Jordan and Nick Wayne. Their first time they've had matching uh, outfits for the match, uh, matching tights. Yeah. It is this, they did use a lot of the Jordan's logo, uh, but they did incorporate Nick Wayne's little uh, heart onto the backside of their pants. So I didn't like how they... Wore the same colors. It was the same outfit, same design, except and same logos, except instead of uh, on Jordan's, his said Jordan. On Nick's, it said Nick. So I very much like that because it's now to me solidifying them as a taking this next step to becoming a legit tag team because I think uh, they've been incredible as a tag team. So seeing this and something that we've kind of been asking for and talking about, which was very cool seeing it. And, um, uh, their tag moves throughout this match was always perfect, just like how they've been. It's the, their chemistry as a tag team, as short time that they have been. It's been incredible watching them just gel together. And I think Joey Janela added a different element to uh, this team because he seemed to fit right in. He seemed to let Jordan and Nick do their own thing, but yeah, uh, kind of yeah. come across as cohesive and as a team representing GCW. Uh, he just inserted himself and did moves as Jordan and Nick just finished theirs. But that, that was cool of Joey to kind of let them kind of get the shine. And he, he decided to fit in instead of telling everybody what to do and having them fit in around him. So that was very awesome seeing Joey do. And Strong Hearts, it's been a while since I've seen Strong Hearts. I haven't seen them since, uh, I want to say the AEW days. Uh, they were like one of the first yeah. show. Um, they had Oh, yeah, know, way back. Like some of the first earliest shit, right? Uh, first, the Double or Nothing. Yeah. The first yep. Double or Nothing, they were on there. On there. And um, I know at that same time, Shima just created a pretty, pretty cool concept of uh, wrestling promotion, uh, OVW or no OVE, I think it was uh-huh. yeah, OVE, and it was uh, a lot of acrobatics. It came up, it gave Jim Cornette a heart attack in two seconds. That is for sure. But the pacing, the <laughs> style of the matches, and the cool, like how they taped it all and stuff like that. It it looks cool. It looked very scripted. Which is if you are into that or not into that kind of stuff, you're not gonna like it. But yeah, yeah. I really liked how they put the matches and moves together. And it, it was very cool concept of a outside the box wrestling company. Um, I don't know if they're still I highly doubt they're still around, but I know they were hot on there for a little minute. I remember watching them on their Twitch channel for free. They were just updating shows left and right. So uh uh in my opinion, it was very nice seeing the strong cards. I am a big fan of Shima and like all the historical stuff he's kind of done throughout his wrestling career and a lot of good like he's a very good ambassador for like the Japanese wrestling company. He just comes over here and fits right in. And I, I think he's like one of those very important person in the Japanese wrestling world out there, but it was nice seeing him in a GCW ring, which kind of, when I first saw this match announced, I was kind of like, yay, like I get to see Shima. And like, this was a normal match and it was, it was great. Uh, a lot of action. As you said, uh, the tag team moves were awesome. Strong cards, just they gelled together. Like they've been together for years, like how they have been. And, uh, I loved it. I loved every single part of this match. 
it was interesting watching Janela be in a certain character. It was like his Japanese style character. It was it was different. I'd never seen that before. The match ends with a show of respect. The Stronghearts had a quick roll up on Wayne. And the Stronghearts basically ended posing for the fans. It was really interesting how the GCW guys exited the ring so the Stronghearts could do their thing. So again, too, that was a win for their for their company. So can't really complain about that. But Jordan and Wayne as a team for me, when I watch them, they come off as serious. Um, and Janela kind of brought that comedy. So I thought that was a nice, it made a nice blend to where the team had a little bit of everything there. Um, yeah, that's what I have to say about uh, that opener. It was just satisfying. It was fun. I didn't know what to expect. And at the end, it was just, it was a lot more enjoyable than I expected. Yeah, I was kind of hoping for their first match, having matching uh, outfits and everything that Jordan and Nick would get the win. But I don't mind it because, like I said, it's out there. It shouldn't really hurt their GCW run at all. It got to show the Japanese crowd of, hey, look at this young tag team that we got coming up here. And we just held our own against your, like, they're, they're not legends. I always want to go, but um, more experienced talent in Stronghearts. So I thought that was a good coming out party kind of for Oliver and Nick Wayne um, because yeah, the strong cards are a staple out there in Japan and for them to hold their own and do like the, I loved how they did the double moonsault with uh, I think it was Joey. No, uh, they did the double moonsault. Nick Wayne did the swan to them out there. I just really think that these two teams very much meshed well together and it showed and I don't mind the strong cards picking up a victory like i nope. said i don't think it's going to hurt oliver and nick in the long run but uh it was a fun match very fun way to open w's dead on it that will lead us into the second match of the evening where i had a lot of question marks exclamation points my brain was going what is this match going to and it is a tag team match i mean masato tanaka awesome seeing him back in a ring yes in gcw uh, teaming with the great Sasuke, which is once again another very pleasant sighting to see him uh, in a GCW ring as they teamed up against Jimmy Lloyd and Kikutaro. And right away, I'm like, what are these? Like, out my I, I had no idea what to expect. I just uh, expected craziness, entertainment, not so much in ring action, but a fun, entertaining match. And that's what these four delivered here. What was your thoughts on this match, John? I saw Lloyd on one side. I saw Tanaka on the other side. Tanaka's a fucking legend. ECW matches with Mike Awesome that were just absolutely brutal. Honestly, I expected fuckery in all directions in this match. Um, Sasuke came out and was offering prayers to people. I thought that was really cool. Um, In America, some people may not understand what's going on there, but Buddhist monks tend to do what he was doing there. They carry an offering bowl and they go around and they offer prayers to others through a village. This is how a lot of monks sometimes would eat in their village. They sometimes wouldn't have food. Everything would primarily come through donation. So you would see this a lot. And sometimes these bowls that they have would be for money. And sometimes the person would take the bowl and fill it with rice. So that would be enough for the day for that uh, for that monk. And sometimes they would explain they would understand that, okay, they've had enough to feed themselves, so on and so forth. And they go home for the day and that's the end of it. So I wanted to give that little um, that little backstory on him so that you understand. Honestly, for me, I thought it was a very interesting concept. It's something I'd never seen before. 
and there was kind of a lack of music almost and they had a really it, they made this really interesting semi somber scene is the only way i can put it the the crowd was very quiet he'd come over and do a little thing around them and you know so it was kind of fun um kiko and lloyd came out in matching masks Loved which it. i thought was fun you know lloyd you know awesome thank you lloyd for still being a good uh a good character about all this stuff um that's okay the legend that he is they started by uh casting spells on kiku so one misses kiku eventually and hits lloyd knocking lloyd off the apron <laughs> i that was fantastic uh there's youtube videos of guys you know claiming they can do shit like that so that, that was great the match picked up and got serious about around about minute nine Tanaka and Sasuke uh, pick up Lloyd and crash him through like four chairs. All four men really did work well together and put on a decent match. Tanaka could have taken an insane beating and didn't. And I'm almost thankful he didn't because he's earned the right to not take one. But yeah, I looked at him and I looked at Lloyd initially and I went, oh my God, there's going to be so many weapons. And sadly, but in a good way, there wasn't. And that's fine in this match because I was still like really, really um, entertained. Yeah. And I like how they started off. There was right away. It was Jimmy Lloyd and Tanaka in the ring. And Jimmy Lloyd's like, hold on. I got Tanaka in a ring for like the first time. I can't let this moment slip by me. Rolls out of the ring, grabs two chairs. He's like, let's do it old school style with these chairs. Show me what you still have in the tank, Tanaka. And I loved that little kind of call for Jimmy Lloyd and having him getting that little moment with uh, Tanaka was kind of cool scene. Um, I was thinking this would be a very short match. I thought it would be a lot of comedy at the beginning. And then Kikutaro obviously fucking something up and costing their, them the match. Because I was thinking Tanaka and Sasuke would do the little comedy bit at the beginning and then just absolutely destroy Jimmy Lloyd and Kikutaro because right, that's right. just what Tanaka and Sasuke have built their reputations on of beating up uh, individuals like Jimmy Lloyd and Kikutaro, but I did love how they kind of played into the comedy. Scarlett Donovan was a referee in this match. Her facial reactions and like trying to be serious while also watching Sasuke throwing bullets or magic bullets at Kikutaro and her facial reactions. <laughs> like I think she added a lot to this match too. And this was entertaining. I I just loved everything. It was just nice seeing Kikutaro and... Tanaka back in the ring, even though they, they they weren't in the ring too long, they did a very good job of splitting the times, keeping themselves fresh. I very much enjoyed this match for everything that I had to offer because it had a lot of, as you said, after the comedy, when it kind of picked up and got serious, that was like that kind of the best I've seen Kikutaro actually wrestle a match and do that kind of stuff because mm, he's always mm. a comedy person. So it was very nice seeing him doing a little different style of wrestling and cool seeing Sasuke and Tanaka not taking themselves too seriously and helping Kikutaro get over and doing still the stuff that made Kikutaro uh, pretty famous out there. So I liked everything about this match. Fun, entertaining, uh, perfect way to kind of be the second match of the night to kind of lead us into what's going to happen. The rest. Near equal time for everyone, and I enjoyed the storytelling a lot, dude. Yeah. Sorry, I wanted to just oh, kind of sneak that in there because the storytelling was worth mentioning. I'm a story guy. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I loved everything about it. I loved Kikutaro's comedy. <laughs> the fire, the fireballs were pretty funny. Not the fireballs, but yeah, whatever magic yeah. power he was throwing at him was funny. <laughs> I liked how Jimmy Lloyd was like a good three seconds late too of reacting. He, oh, wait, Kikutaro moved to hit me. Ah, I fell to the ground. <laughs> well, you know, Jimmy, I mean, I Jimmy's on all. another time zone. 
<laughs> literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> i loved it all it was fun i can i can watch matches like that thrown into all the craziness that happens throughout the rest of the card this has a good spot for comedy pretty good match i liked it our third match of the evening we got a tag team as kobayashi teams up with ito going against cole radrick and mance warner uh once again kind of nice seeing kobayashi back in a ring doing what uh he does i didn't really expect to see him throughout these cards until they announced him, which was a pleasant surprise. Um, he could still go <laughs> at his age. He's still going right. out there. Same thing with Ito. They still went. And I knew this was like a perfect match for Mance to kind of do his things and kind of have fun with some legend. I thought this would be kind of cool for Cole Radrick to kind of see, a, see some three masters of what they've been doing forever and kind of see, kind of have Cole like learning on the ropes and kind of coming in and interacting with them. I just loved how... These are one of these, like I said, I was crazy matchups, crazy styles, crazy teams. Uh, I loved seeing all of that stuff. What was your thoughts on this? I love all Abdullah wrestlers. I know that's one of those things that might be a little controversial. No, I love all Abdullah wrestlers. I've been a deathmatcher for a long time. Abdullah was one of the people, the one of the original Abdullahs was some of the first people I ever got to watch make people bleed. The second would probably have been Ric Flair. Um, Ito and Mance slapped the shit out of each other in the beginning. And I mean, it's heavy and it's for quite a while. And I didn't know towards the end of those slaps if it was because Ito didn't want to be the first one to give up or what it was. But they had a little stiff slap off in the beginning. And I had to mention it, though. Um, Abdullah takes off shirt and he bounces his boobs, which was fantastic. (laughs) So Raddy has to answer. He tries to hulk out, which, of course, he does. I love Mance handing out eye pokes. He really makes that gimmick work. Also, we were talking about um, how they have great expressions. We were talking about how with him and Rena, And with Mance, it's the fact that he can open his eyes so big that that is a big part of what makes what he's doing look so good. Um, Abdullah brings out the fork as only an Abdullah would do. Mance stabs him with it and then sticks it in his head, literally sticks it there in his head and it just kind of sticks cole brings out a gusset plate and the other team punishes him with it then they beat him with a cane you can see where they had stuck it to his arms multiple times and punched it into cole's arm so he had those you know these little puncture wounds from the gusset plate mance's dusty elbow i thought was fantastic ref had a slow two count no shit to a point to where i had to mention it but this was a tough bout between these men i was so happy to see everybody do their thing in this one um geez man mancer and cole together i don't believe it's a complete team and i don't believe how many times i'd see them together again but it was nice to see them once because they're both tough as fuck yeah, it kind of felt like one of those random draws of teams, like kind of out yeah, the, yeah. the wild card teams. Like we're just gonna put two random people together and see how they kind of mesh. And if it works, then now we got something to go with. If it doesn't, hey, we tried it once, uh, you lose, and no big deal. We don't have to keep on beating a dead horse of something that's not successful. So I, I was actually intrigued by them tagging up. Um, I loved how Kobayashi still does the. The the fork spot, he just that just reminds me of Trey Monty with that big old knot on the front of his head. Um I just love seeing Mance kind of enjoying himself and cold. Like they're like, Hey, we're in the rings with these two Japanese legends. Like, what is life right now? What are we doing? It's like just seeing them and like I just in general, when I see wrestlers having fun, it just makes me enjoy it more because I know that hey, they're liking what they're doing, they're doing a great job at it. 
Um, yeah, Cole, Cole, I think, took the took uh, John Wayne Murdoch. And Jeremy Murdoch's like, hey, I'm tired of getting my ass whipped. It's your turn in Japan, Cole, so you can take all the gusset plates and the light tubes and all that stuff. And Cole just dove right into it. He he, I think he meshed pretty well comedically with uh, with Abdullah and Ito. Like, he held his own in the ring. I'm surprised Ito will still be able to move around like how he was. I, I haven't seen a lot of them in a long time because i don't watch really freedoms or whatnot but i have seen like clips here and there and seeing those two names coming back for a gcw show against cole and mance warner i was in, i was intrigued and entertained and i'm glad they were able to still do a 10 minute match and still have it be as fun as entertaining as it was it was instead of it being a train wreck as we've kind of seen other promotions where they bring old legends out and still like why did we do that when we didn't need these two could still go and put on a fun match a nice entertaining fun match so did we announce the winner on this one or no? I'm sorry. No, we have not. Okay, so our winner on this one ended up being Kobayashi and Ito. And Ito hit a five-star frog splash on Cole, which uh, I don't want to say for his age, but for his age, it looked freaking fantastic. So <laughs> good job for him because not a, lot of those, not a lot of those guys get the full inward and then extension out. And he actually did the full inward and then the extension out, which is incredible. The one thing I wanted to mention before this match is over because it finally hit me was that I like the pads in the corner. Instead of just having the little ring things, they have this one long pad. It's almost like boxing pads. I think those are fantastic. If they would just put a platform on the top of those, like a, a good solid platform, then they would have in my eyes, probably a great thing going on there because I've seen so many guys get hurt on the buckles and I mentioned this because I think it was Cole was thrown back first into a corner and you see him hit the corner and he hits it and then you can see him slide down it and you can see blood just poop and just slide down and it looked freaking awesome. But I've seen too many times where uh, like Sting and several others have been hurt and a buckle bone, you know, buckle, you know, stuff like that. So I just wanted to mention it real quick to say I actually like those pads in the corner and I wish they bring them here. Because I'm thinking there would be less injuries. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like I like the look of it, and as you said, it looks really cool. I just think it yeah. kind of hurts, as uh, you kind of mentioned, uh, the high. Fl- it kind of hurts the high flyers because it doesn't really give them any space mm-hmm. to put their feet or anything. And I just remember when Impact brought in that six. Uh, that brought in the six. Uh, when they had the six-sided uh, ring, I remember a lot of the high flyers would say it's. That it, it took some time getting used to because the angle, it wasn't like a 90 degree angle between right. the buckles. It was a little bit wider. So when they put their feet on the ropes, obviously, to keep their balance, their feet had to go in a different position a while to get used to that. And I've kind of seen that kind of come into play when I watched some of the New Japan shows and stuff like that. Like I just remember the one is like Kenny Omega was holding Naito and slipped and like on the, they were standing both on the top about to do a superplex, but Kenny Omega was closer to the outside. And he slipped and then. As he slipped, he just drove Naito's head like right into the corner of the pole Ooh. because his foot oh, off no. of the pad. So I, I, there's give or take. I don't mind it. I don't care either way. I do like seeing it as aesthetically pleasing. It's as kind of like we've seen throughout the UK shows and through this show. It is kind of nice seeing different things in the ring, different styles, different everything. Like I don't mind seeing the the buckles every once in a while. I don't have really any preference in it, but I uh, that's just the one thing I just seen a couple times with those turnbuckles as, as a negative, but as a positive, as you said, it's going to be a lot more safer. There's a lot less uh, space for whiplash and stuff like that because there's no space in between the buckles. It's just one big yeah. long bar. Yeah. So 
That does take away too a little bit. I know it does kind of take away because there are some moves where, you know, somebody will miss running into a corner and spearing someone and they'll go through the ropes and hit their shoulder yeah. on the pole. Something like you can that. Make it, there's always workarounds. It's not that yeah. big a deal. I don't like I, said, I don't mind seeing it either way, both good, uh, both on or normal, because it's, it just adds differences. And obviously it makes the wrestlers adapt and do different things, which I'm all for seeing. Our fourth matchup of the evening is another death match as Takeda goes one-on-one, -on -one, this time against Black. And right away, I just knew this was going to be not a disaster, but a disaster for the ring with all the stuff that's going to happen to it with the glass, with the glass, these two competitors' blood. I just knew this was going to be an insane match, and holy shit, was it. This was probably the bloodiest match of the three... Uh, cards that they had this night uh what was your thoughts on this match <laughs> this was okay so i was realizing in the first 30 seconds that they were aggressively going after each other i thought it was almost grudge like both men ran immediately for the glass and started throwing big amounts of tubes at each other it was insane both men start like cutting and stabbing each other with scissors and i do mean like Full on taking it in their hands and controlled poking into the guy's heads. It was, <laughs> it was nice. Uh, Schlack is a vicious fucking beast was something I just wrote on here. Both men are bleeding a lot before minute two has even hit. Japan had some long light tubes. That's something I wanted to mention also because I don't know if I'd seen that in any other country, but holy crap, Japan has like these eight seven eight foot long tubes that i feel like they just wouldn't make sense to have in any situation because if they fall or break it's it's huge yeah um the left half of takeda's face within probably the first four to five minutes was completely red he just completely the number of tubes is maybe three quarter of the tubes we watched in last night's main event so i'm not yeah. kidding how much went on this wasn't even the main event this is just this was just the tube show. I don't know. Uh, Schlack put maybe 10 chairs stacked up like a log cabin. And he ends up get, getting thrown out and onto the chairs. And you literally see he hits these chairs and they just spread. It's hilarious. It's like if you hit a bug and it splatters, that's exactly what it looked like. He looked like the bug and the shit just the chairs splattered everywhere. Yeah, it looked like he um, didn't break his fall at all with those chairs. It looked like he just went no, right through them, no. but the chairs just exploded outside of him. It was, that was pretty crazy watching. <laughs> and then here we are again where both men just start throwing and running each, into each other with huge amounts of light tubes. We had spooky dust everywhere. Takeda's body has either fresh blood or blood-stained skin all over his body. It looks like a shirt with the amount of blood stained that he had going on. The second half of this match was completely Schlack just getting fucked up. I wrote here that both men went to war. That's what I have on this one. Yeah, just seeing, even before I got to watch this match, I just knew to keep an eye out and actually pay more attention to this match because uh, on the Patreon, they did post a couple pictures of the events, like right after the events happened, even though they brutal. Even though they, yeah, they haven't been broadcasted yet. And this was one of those pictures where I was watching or when I looked at it and like you just see the back of, I think it was Schlack's back or Takeda's back was just littered in glass and blood. Saw Takeda's face. Yeah, it looked like he had like one half of the side of his face. It looked like this like, yeah. peeled, the skin was peeled off and it just mm -hmm. that red. And seeing all the glass they dumped into the box after the match was over, when they sweep up the ring, they throw it all into a box and you just see all the broken glass and there's just blood everywhere. Like, 
I just knew that this was going to be one of those matches that it might not be great in ring, but it's just going to be chaotic and a war. <laughs> I just said a war because yeah, they these two looked like there was it felt like there was something on the line during this match too, even though there wasn't. It just felt like hey, like these just two aggressive. Just, yeah, they're going in, and there's like a purpose to every time they swung a light tube or slammed them onto the chairs. There was like a reason for everything, and I I, I don't know. It was just crazy seeing them two just go. Go nuts and they went crazy. The the crowd was clapping super loud, I know, during this match. Um yeah, this was entertaining fun. It was uh it had a lot of it was different than the normal deathmatch style that I like. I like the wrestling right. moves with Cologne, Parker, Segura, tell a story inside of I don't like the hey, here's my turn to swing light tube, your turn to swing light tube, but these were one of these matches where I think the situation called for it because cause they were just beating the ever-living shit out of each other. And, like, as much as Takeda was bleeding, I thought maybe he did slice up his face pretty good. But luckily, after seeing the after yeah. pictures, he didn't. It was just a cut real bad in his hairline, which is good for him. Yeah, and with a lot of those head wounds, I can personally tell you, I know they don't hurt, but they do bleed a lot. So, of course, when it runs down the face, it looks great for yeah. camera. So... I think they used everything they could have in this match. It was fantastic. Great death match. They go to shake hands. Takeda backs off, flips off Schlack. Schlack laughs and starts tugging his fucking junk at Takeda. My right, my last note on this was how is the main event really going to top this match? Like, this is a number four match. I was about to say, yeah, we still got another match before the main event, even. <laughs> yeah. And that next match is Effie and June Kasai. So it's like, holy shit. Yeah, that's that. that. That's a good one. Uh, I don't know if we did say who the winner was. Uh, I I don't think I paid attention. I oh, think I just oh, good. threw. I flew right through that shit, man. Hey, I don't mind because I'm actually very much looking forward to talking about June Kasai and Effie. So that was a fantastic match. Not as crazy as this one. I thought this one just had so much blood and violence where it was going to be hard to top it. Uh, yeah. The next match was pretty good in its own sort of way. Uh, but going back to Takeda and Slack, Takeda does pick up the victory. As he just kind of backdropped and dumped Slack onto a bundle of light to pin him for the one, two, three. And then, yeah, the animosity at the end of the match was like, like two big old bears. Like, hey, we just got done eating a buffet full of glass. We got our the blood <laughs> everywhere. Let's do it again. And like, nope, we're just going to flip each other off, and we we're going to do this another time. And I kind of like it. Right. Like they 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 were hysterical at the end of the match. I just liked how I'm going to shake your hand. No, I'm not. I'm going to flip you off. Okay, I'll shake your hand now. No, I'm not. You could <laughs> you could do whatever you want. Like how Schlack did his junk and stuff like that. I just I liked it all. It was cool. Like, you could tell there's a lot of respect there. There was no oh, animosity yeah. with all that part, but it was fun. Very fun match. Very violent. Um, yeah, and tough to follow. And what the match to follow was that we said. Is June Kasai going against Effie? And for me, this was a big one for me because I have heard about June Kasai, and once I've seen uh, clips of him and see- read about him and kind of heard about what, how good he was, and the little bit I saw of him, he was one of my kind of new favorites to watch in Japan with the deathmatch scene. Uh, because I, as I said last episode, or maybe earlier this episode, who knows? <laughs> They're all running across each other, but I've always kind of called Jun Kasai like the Shinsuke Nakamura of Deathmatch Wrestling. I think their yeah. looks, their charisma, um, how good they really are in the ring goes a goes a lot for me to become a fan. And I have seen, I would say, maybe less than ten matches of Jun Kasai. I want to dive more into the library, but every match I've seen of his is fucking brutal. 
nuts. He's crazy. He <laughs> there's a reason his body's all marked up as it is, and it, I love seeing Drew Kazai. Then uh, seeing him go against Effie, I was like, wow, this is a two different styles. And to me, it felt like when I watched Suzuki versus Effie. Like I'm gonna watch a very good wrestling match, but I'm very interested to see all the shenanigans that happen during the match because of you know Effie and Suzuki have their shenanigans, and I know Junkasai has his own. So seeing Effie and Junkasai in this match, I was super excited for. This. Okay, so here we go again. Where I'm gonna kind of bust through the notes real quick, bullet point style, and this is to save everybody a lot of time because there was so much going on that I'm just going to bam, bam, bam. So here we go. Okay, so the first couple of things that I mentioned was Effie comes off different without that crowd reaction. I really noticed it. It uh, He just didn't have like, oh, my adoring fans. He didn't have that to play off of on the way to a ring, which kind of stunk to a degree. Um, June is going to fuck up Effie's face was what I was thinking of <laughs> because that's that's June. I'm I'm a huge fan too, by the way. I might as well just say that right now. So June comes out with a fork board, but I also noticed that when he comes out, there's this aura. Like when he enters the ring, it's a happening. And I absolutely am a fan for that. Um, at one point, Effie yells out, crazy monkey, sexy monkey. <laughs> and of course, um, I don't know why, again, I was probably two, three in the morning at this point, but I put Effie is a gay Pepe Le Pew. He's a lover lover. I don't, I don't, I'm showing my age, but it was so funny. I. Who knows what the hell I was doing at three in the morning. Effie uses more feminine motions and movements since words don't really translate as well over in Japan. So that's kind of how he does his thing. I have to say it was nice seeing a more serious Effie wrestling performance. That's one of the big things for me. And I say this with all wrestlers in GCW is that at least once, maybe twice a year, Every performer deserves to have a good match that's more serious so that we can see who the performer is without the gimmick. We want to see their talent level. We want to see their fundamentals at play. Um, that's what we want to see. So this was one where I won't want to say it's not completely serious, but I just want to say it was more playful and uh, there was some real wrestling that went on in this too, not including a shit ton of pain. Kasai was pouring the pain on Effie. That's kind of funny that I have that in the notes there. Effie was the first blood in this match from Tubes. And um, there were no really real high spots off the top rope, minus one or two. It was just back and forth ass beatings the whole time. Effie's under the rainbow put June's face onto the forkboard. It looked brutal. The, bingo, the biggest bundle of Tubes I had ever seen come out, I was guessing 12 um, or more. Maybe because there were so many, I could not count them. And I did try to give a little rough estimate. I would say somewhere between 10 and 12, you know, somewhere in there. Skewers went into old Effie's head. There's something I didn't really expect to see happen in a uh, in an Effie match. Kasai then, <laughs> Kasai takes off his pants. And he has undies and fishnets on, just like his friend uh, Effie there. So holy shit, we have Sexy Monkey now. So Sexy Monkey hits Effie with a top rope Tiger Destroyer onto that large bundle of tubes that was brought out. Sexy then inserts that game. Sexy inserts fork into his own head, and it was just standing there, Abdullah style. Sexy goes up, goggles on, and jumps down onto Effie, who's underneath a pile of tubes. 
That right there makes Jun Kasai the winner after he drops Effie on a board of forks. <sighs> that was everything that went on in 12 minutes. And that's just what I'd written down. There was a lot in between. These were just the noteworthy spots. Yeah, the punishment that wow. uh, Jun Kasai put Effie through. I was just waiting for MLJ to hop on a commentary again and call uh, me a pain pig because uh, Effie was yeah, taking yeah. a beating during this match. And I like, I just love seeing Effie, as you said, when it's time to get serious, he gets serious. And like the match with Suzuki was one of my favorites of Effie because like Suzuki obviously was like, Hey, I'm not playing with that stuff. I'm here to wrestle. And they did the wrestling stuff. And then afterwards, as we see the same thing during this match, uh, they give Effie their time to do Effie's thing, but Effie, when it's time to get serious, he turns it on and he puts on a great performance in this match against Jun Kasai. And like I think this was um, seeing Effie do this was uh, like even though he lost, uh, it, he just came across as more badass and someone to yes. take more serious when it comes in the ring that could hopefully help him out. Maybe he'll get another title shot here soon because Effie sure as hell talented, sure as hell over enough. And he's been putting on great performances, uh, even in a loss like against Jun Kasai. And for me, after I was watching this match, I kind of made it a point. I made like a couple little shows I, or uh, matches I want to watch of Jun Kasai going against different talent because I heard uh, after seeing the craziness. That's uh, that's one of them. Yeah, that's yeah. one of them actually. Uh, and then I think it was June against um, Drew Parker. I have as as one of them. But I, Ooh. yeah, I want to see Jun Kasai way more often. I know he's, uh, they made mention to it on the GCW Patreon podcast where they, we probably won't be seeing him again in, in the States because at his age and how much pain it probably is to, as you said, the, the long flight all the way over back to the stand. Uh, Jun Kasai is at the point of his career. He doesn't need, to. if a company wants to have him, they will come to him. He's not going to come to them. So, uh, after hearing that, I kind of, I actually went back and rewatched this match just to kind of see, like, hey, this might be the last time I get to see Jun Kasai on ECW screen. Uh, this, yeah. Effie, this match with Effie was fun. Let me go back and replay it again so that way I can watch it and hopefully be more prepared and be more aware of his moveset, his style, and everything, and all these other matches that I want to now watch him in. Um, Effie, I, I, I loved it. I loved how Effie just took the punishment, but he never gave up, just like how he always does. Effie's fine. Effie's like I just love how Effie just played off on this because it was it was a great match. I I was entertained, and I know it probably wasn't the best Jun Kasai match we've seen. Ah, uh, Jun Kasai told an excellent story. His facial expressions, the crazy eyes that he has, the hair. I loved when he took off the pants and showed uh, sexy monkey. Like I just love that. That's the cool storytelling. Like hey, that's where you could fit it in where it doesn't take away from the match. It adds to the cool spot of that match and. Yeah, when he hits the drop on Effie for the three count, it was it was it was fun. I very much enjoyed this match. I, I like I said, I went back and rewatched it a second time after hearing the podcast a couple of days later, just to, just to be more aware of Jun Kasai and be pre more prepared of what I'm going to watch on the more matches that I haven't seen from him. His incredible library. I've only seen, like I said, less than ten matches fully. So yeah, yeah, I am diving into it. Uh, yeah, fun match. Jun Kasai picks up the victory over Effie. Um, Definitely, definitely fun entertainment. And that will lead us into our main event of the evening is a six person tag match. Mega Bastards, Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch team up with Rina Yamashita to make a kind of another team GCW kind of feel going against ERE, which is 
Drew Parker, Uda, and Violento Jack. And yeah, I was just ready to see what kind of more violence and fuckery could happen because we've already seen two nights of it. And to end the second night off with this as the main event, uh, yeah, I was just expecting a lot more violence than what I had. Like I said, it's just kind of felt like watching a deathmatch tournament other than having the feel of cheering for somebody to win throughout the entire night, just sitting and enjoying the violence and uh, being all the competitors I love competing. And this match definitely was a nice way to end night two. What was your thoughts on this? First note was this will be an amazing match. That was the first thing. I'm looking around the ring. I'm looking at six badass motherfuckers. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew it was going to happen quickly, and I was really looking forward to it. There was all kinds of weapons around, so it, yeah, I couldn't wait. The first, Okay, so here we go. We're going to do the good old bullet point thing again here because there was so much going on that was unique. I want to mention that. I also want to mention that if there is a minute that I miss, I think there's a minute between 10 and 11 at one point. Um, that's because throughout this whole match, there was real wrestling. It wasn't just swing, bada, bada, swing. There really was wrestling in this thing. And that's what GCW is known for. So I wanted to make sure we knew that. So here we go. First two minutes, we have busted light tubes, double ball grabs by Rena. Minute three, board covered in barbed wire busted on Rena. Minute four, Jack is a big boy is what I wrote here. Tope Suicida, and it was huge on Murdoch. Minute five, Cologne, light tube, Tope, which was excellent. Minute six, broken tubes, more wrestling. Minute seven, Sakuda on board with barbed wire. Minute eight, metal skewers and needles through the mouth. Minute nine, quality wrestling. Minute 10, Murdoch through a tube bundle. There was way more wrestling in this match than was expected, and I will never complain whatsoever. In 11 minutes and 53 seconds, our winners were the Mega Bastards. Cologne went up to the top rope. He did a Styles Clash on Sakuda through a light tube bundle. Holy shit. Go watch this uh, match. Go yeah. watch this match. Yeah, I love that spot when Cologne's done. I've seen him do it a couple times uh, through people onto the light tubes the ring i i was wonder because like hey there's no catching yourself embracing yourself you're falling nope. from that second rope with another person's body on top of you with bundle of light tube yeah that was that was a fun <laughs> scene um yeah john wayne murdoch in my mind is starting to stand out a little bit more and more throughout all these shows as yeah like someone you could start if alex cologne does decide to take a break i think john wayne murdoch has proven it where he still go he can still put on great matches um hopefully we don't have to see him wrestle as much as he has in years past until he got to gcw with wrestling two 300 death matches a year but uh he's definitely to me like this is the one part i've watched uh, over these last like uh, what two weeks but like seven shows that they did where driveway murdoch's now turning into a gcw guy and it feels kind of nice seeing mm -hmm. him not treated as the outsider trying to come in and step up to the big leagues. He's earned his way to the big leagues. He is here and he has now proven that he is here to stay with or without feuding with Alex Cologne or teaming with Alex Cologne. I definitely wouldn't mind seeing whenever they uh, do decide to take the belts off these two. Dean Murdoch kind of go right up there against uh, the more SGC uh, folks one on one, seeing it maybe against them. That's against Nick Gage would be incredible. I don't think I've only seen that match once, and that was like the early GCW holidays. And then we didn't see Murdoch for a while in GCW ring after that. So uh, I just think John Wayne Murdoch has earned it where he could do a lot more kind of cool dream matches. That. So, uh, yeah, this was fun. I, I didn't know what, how 
Parker, Sakuda, and Violento Jack would kind of work together as a team. I kind of figured uh, Team GCW over there with all three competitors would work very well together as a team, and I think they did a fantastic job. And uh, Team ERE, I think, did a very good job as well, putting a lot of cool tag team moves together, as you said, during the wrestling part and not the deathmatch part, which is it's cool. It's, I like seeing, as I said, the, the wrestling getting incorporated into deathmatch is always fun for me. All six of these competitors put on one hell of a main event to end the night on W's Dead or Revival, in my opinion. Yeah, and then the end of night, the, the end of night, this has been a long recording session. <laughs> the show ending ended primarily in like a huge pull apart. It was like an old school like standoff. Reno came over to the GCW side, so you should both companies. Oh, yeah, and it's exciting because you're like, okay dynamite's about to explode my favorite guys are in the ring and these fucks want to attack them you know that's how kind of the feeling you get there uh when it's all over and there's a little bit of a pull apart and we have a little bit of a tussle gcw talents left in the ring they celebrate a great tour of japan the show ends with gcw chants from talent and high applause from the fans so i think that's about as good as it gets over in japan considering the situation everybody seemed to be happy the fans were happy the show was freaking off the chain like there was very little downtime yeah and i kind of like at the ending as you said during that whole standoff and stuff like that i was kind of not shocked or surprised but um i thought maybe go a little different but if i'm not mistaken drew parker did not go to team gcw stuff did was, you see he walked off yeah he walked off quietly in the background. That's where I was just like, man, like maybe they could have teased a little bit more of Drew Parker holding whatever belt he's holding. I honestly don't know. Uh, I think long term storyline with the Rena holding the belt standing there in the middle and Rena changing teams on Drew Parker and saying, this is my new home now. You should come join us. And Drew's like, no, I'm, I'm here now. This is my home. Like I thought that they could have done a little bit more with that instead of, I don't know who that person was, to be honest with you, in the middle that kind of started doing all the talking that started it all. Um, kind of started the whole pushing and shoving back and forth when the lines were drawn. I kind of right. wish that would have been kind of Drew's moment to say, hey, thank you, GCW fans, or GCW people for coming here. Uh, you kind of see now what we have, stuff like that. And then Reed is like, hold on here. I'm not one of you and then kind of going over there, kind of causing like a, Ooh, she turned kind of, mo I don't know. I thought that would have been a lot cooler than kind of what did happen, but for what it was worth, it was a great two nights and I can't wait to watch the third one here after we're done recording, kind of see what happens on night three and see if maybe that story kind of got old further along that I'm not aware of, but um, mm -hmm. I could kind of see maybe as we are talking about someone who might take the belt off of Yamashita, Drew Parker, that would be kind of a nice little warm-up belt. Not a warm-up belt, but... No, he was the Ultraviolet Champion before. Actually, I think I'm mistaken. I think he was the Ultra... No, I'm thinking of Takeda. My fault, Takeda. Anyway, I would like to see Drew Parker start wrestling in GCW for some GCW gold and start kind of keeping him on our roster a little bit more frequently than just when we're on tours uh, out or just for the death during the tournaments. What? Uh, actually, hold on. Where are we at here? Oh, that was a main event. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, main event, GCW Den Arrival, very fun match. Uh, team, uh, who won again? I totally forgot. 
as you said, it's been a long time. No, you're good. No, you're good. What happens? Okay, so what people need to know is we actually share notes together so that if I need to make any adjustments or he does, we can kind of look at him. So I'm kind of erasing as he's trying to explain what's going on. So there you go, bud. I'm so sorry. No, That's it's my all fault. good. It's like I said, it's been long. You're getting a little tired there. Mega Bastards and Team GCW with Rena Yamashita do pick up the victory over Team Yari. But sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, man. Like I said, oh, I, it was, I had like four different thoughts going in my mind and it's been recording a lot, playing catch up. So it does feel kind of nice to be almost caught up. We can yeah. enjoy this weekend to watch Fight Club and then we're right back into it recording, playing catch up again, covering GCW's Fight Club Night One and JCW versus the world. But for Night Two of Japan, GCW's Dead on Arrival, another very fun and entertaining show. Not the typical GCW show, but I do not mind it because all the violence does make up for it. And that's where it really does feel like a old school GCW kind of card because you got a lot more death matches than uh, a normal one-on-one non-death match. It was, it was very nice seeing the two different contrasts of styles uh, between types of cards and it's been fun. What was your memorable moments of the evening? Okay, the memorable moments for me. First off started was... This show had longer matches than the previous show, so I'm very thankful for that. And I don't know if that's a memorable moment. That is a moment, though, worth mentioning. First time for me seeing T-Hawk, L. Lindemann, uh, Ryuji, Ito, I'll go for, and Sakuda for the first time. The spirit of Abdullah is going strong. I was happy to see that that's there. Tanaka and Kasai made my evening. Just them appearing was a big deal for me. Schlack versus Takeda was a bloodbath. Uh, the six-man main event was Controlled Chaos. And lastly, Sexy Monkey. I can't unsee it. I like it. We always get the different variants of Effie. Now we got a different variant of Kasai. Yeah, right? Crazy Monkey is Sexy Monkey. I like it. All it took was fishnets. And Effie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually usually that's what it takes. Right. No, I loved, I loved it. My memorable moments was, yeah, I like seeing Tanaka and uh, Great Sasuke back in a ring. Um, GCW ring specifically, even to them kind of rep, uh, be in there was kind of cool seeing. Um, being Takeda versus Slack, that was cool death matches that normally, most circumstances, would not be my cup of quote-unquote. Uh, the violence that put on each other definitely made it where I enjoy. Um, and for me, seeing Jun Kasai... Going against Effie, that was amazing. I have way more I've seen. Every time I see Jun Kasai, I want to see more of them, so I will dive into the Freedoms and uh, whatever other companies I has wrestled in because I very much enjoy him. And I just much enjoy him watching him in Deathmatch Wrestling and seeing him in GC, which is always very and that will wrap it up for episode what number did we say as we said it's been a long <laughs> a long day i think it was 26 or 27 i, I think, think this is 27 yeah as we did a double dose of episodes <laughs> it's been a long one everyone out there so please bear with us here we crawl to the end we're scraping and crawling we still got actually one more japan show to watch before we start cutting but that's Fight literally Club. happening right now yeah that's so happening right now so we, we can, will yeah we're excited we're yes. edgy we're tired we will <laughs> throw, friday night right we will throw that on it will be a episode and as you saw if it kind of has the same format as these two it might be a way shorter episode normal which is fine for us at least because then we could kind of take a deep breath soak all in everything that happens at fight club night one and night two and gcw versus world and then hop right back in 
podcast and reviewing next week and trying to stay on schedule. I have to play catch up, but it has been fun reviewing these shows because a lot of stuff that you caught that I totally missed. I, I enjoyed hearing that. As you can tell, when I get tired, I don't, I lose focus and <laughs> don't pay attention as much like is happening now. So it has been fun though. So I very much appreciate uh, all you guys out there listening to thank you for being understanding of us. John, thank you for giving me a lot more information than what I've normally had in the past. <laughs> It could be all made up. Shows, yeah. <laughs> all right. Did hopefully, you see that shit? Yeah, Tiger came content. out mid-match. <laughs> <laughs> but it has yeah. been fun. Uh, so, yeah, we will be recording the GCW Japan Tour, the War Ready Show. We will be covering that tomorrow as it's happening right now. We will be enjoying Fight Club. And then right back next week, we'll probably be, as the week goes on, we'll probably be releasing. I might even release the... War ready, maybe Sunday. We'll give a little extra treat on Sunday. Just throw out a quick little mini show, kind of covering, kind of like how we just did now. Each show oh, is yeah. about 30 minutes when we cover them because of the lack of commentary, storytelling, um, continue, continuous stuff that won't be really happening. What happened here back when they get home in the States for Fight Club. But it's been very fun covering these shows. Can't wait to cover Fight Club and the DCW War ready. Anything else you want to let the fans know, John, before we head out of here? Probably unsuccessfully again because we are both exhausted and tired of talking. <laughs> Say your prayers and eat your vitamins. <laughs> I am. A, oh, wait, I'm going to cancel too. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, man. That's what came to mind when you asked me. <laughs> on behalf of myself and Mr. John J. Wolf, that will be it for GCW Plant Podcast Episode 27. Double review of GCW's Dead on Arrival and Planet. Go ahead. Planet there Death. it is. Oh, I had to see it. I had to rub my door. I wrote PD. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I'm so tired. What does PD mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's but, okay. Yes. Thank you all out there for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next week. And we bid you adieu. Long, Long live, live GCW Planet Death. And for part three of GCW in Japan, we have GCW War Ready. And just as always, Mr. John J. Wolf is with us tonight. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm still doing great. Let me tell you, I'm ready to go again for another one, man. How are you doing? Doing all right. So if you are listening to this, we are adding this on at the end. I know we had kind of had an ending on the second episode, but uh, some last minute changes have happened. So we're tacking this on and making it a triple threat, a triple header in Japan. And we are covering GCW's War Ready. Uh, so before we head into the card, I know you have some pre-show remarks, John. Do you want to hop into those? As an old school uh, music fan, I have to say, I really love the opening with the Tupac music kind of cool to listen to. That was really why I listened to the lady in the beginning was just to hear hit him up from Tupac. That was all. Just wanted to mention that. It, I've heard it three times now. It's not a mistake. I freaking love it. Yes, uh, it's it's been fun. These shows have been fun. Um, I, I whenever I think I hear her voice, I always think of the lady that used to do uh, the pride shows. I don't know if you were ever a pride MMA person, Japan. Not MMA, no. Oh, oh, they had like this one lady that would always like do the some. Or not crazy. Pride. Oh, not Pride. Okay. So there yeah. was this one uh, announcer that always, when she announced all the fighters to the ring, she would just go crazy and like just drag out the name for like thirty seconds, which was amazing and awesome. So kind of hearing this lady's voice kind of reminded me of something similar, even though she didn't get as crazy as the other lady does. Uh, it was still nice to kind of hear a voice on the show, other than the wrestlers uh, in the ring, because as we said. 
This once again is being the last show in Japan. Once again, does not have commentary. Um, and the crowd noise is still kind of uh, withdrawn, kind of just held back just to claps only. So uh, hearing another voice at the beginning of the shows was always kind of nice. And as you said, hearing the music too is kind of nice. I'm yeah, the same, I'm the same the way music. with the Tupac music. I think that's kind of why I like Alex Cologne so much is just hearing the beginning of his song. I just always feel like I, I always feel like the mood changes in the room with like, oh shit, Alex Sloan's coming out. It's gonna get crazy. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard to not it's hard to not vibe a Tupac song either. Yeah, there's very a uh, few of those that I wouldn't be like, oh, why was this playing? We will head off to match number one of the evening, and once again, it starts out pretty pretty hot as Jordan Oliver teams with Nick Wayne. Going against the team of Drew Parker and Jimmy Lloyd. And I was super excited for this one. Uh, just because obviously I like the team of Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. But to see them teaming up against Drew and Jimmy, I think that's a pretty decent team. Um, but seeing kind of Drew Parker teaming with Jimmy Lloyd kind of made me question what kind of match we would get. Um, <laughs> just because of those two are kind of, yeah, known as the deathmatch uh, wrestlers, but obviously Jordan and Nick Wayne are the complete opposite of it. So I was just kind of seeing or thinking as this match was starting, which way this is going to tend to, are we going to get a little violence? Are we going to get a more technical in ring and stay away from the violence? Are we going to get a combination of both? And, uh, for the most part, this pretty much just stayed a normal one-on-one -on -one tag match with actual tags and stuff like that. So it was very cool seeing, uh, these two teams go at it in a traditional tag team match, and I enjoyed the living shit out of this match. What about you, John? Okay, so I have to say I've been talking about the whole thing with Wayne and Oliver getting these outfits, getting matching outfits. I think they're a fantastic tag team waiting to happen, and it finally happened. So we had the matching uh, bottoms, and then we had the shirts with the cut-up tassels, kind of like the Rockers used to have, and I think the Rock and Roll Express every now and then would rock those too. So beautiful throwback i absolutely love that what were your thoughts on those outfits I, anything i had thought the exact same thoughts as you did the my two teams that came in my head was the rockers and then rock and roll express just because of the the way the shirts were for the rock and roll express but also the rockers did come out with a very similar style too so i was i am enjoying it i as you said we've been talking about it and kind of asking uh to them if they want to kind of take that next step as a tag team to be kind of more unified and in ring, they absolutely had it. They had the unif unification, the chemistry, everything in the ring was screaming amazing tag team. The only thing that seemed to be missing was matching gear, matching outfits, and we yep. got it in this uh, this show. I think we had it in the last one, too. I'm not <laughs> sure. It's been all these catching up to all the shows are starting to go in my mind, but I loved seeing it because it makes them seem more as a legitimate tag team and not just two people mm -hmm. thrown together that just have to have, happen to have amazing chemistry i think that's obviously how it started off as but i think it's very smart of uh, gcw and brett to kind of capitalize on kind of how well they are moving together as a tag team and flowing in the ring because i think every time they've been a team those matches have been very 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 good because those two just flow together and uh as a tag team it looks like legitimate they know what they're doing. They've been doing this for a while. So I like I like their outfits because they add legitimacy to the tag team. Yeah, these guys, a similar height, similar body. Yep. You're right. They look good together. 
Wayne and Oliver really has a high potential as a team. And I do like the fact that I think a couple shows down the road, since most people may very well be caught up, it was mentioned that they will do things together, but they're still going to keep everything separate. And they're so damn strong. I actually prefer it that way. I think that would really strip down the strength of both of them if we just kept them strictly tag team. Yeah, especially with the role Jordan's been on uh, up until this point as a singles competitor he's been racking up some pretty significant wins um and see, like i in my opinion climbing his way up the chart to be hopefully next in line or right up there with the other people that could be next in line for the gcw world title and i am the same way i love seeing them together but uh you don't need to say hey you guys are a strict tag team you could have them wrestle as singles competitors as well you don't got a limit to them in a box as we talked about before just because the, the person's extreme champion doesn't mean that every match has to be ultra violent or crazy they could have a non-title dream match against another opponent and just have a cool match just because they're the title holder doesn't mean they need to defend it every single time they're out there so I do like that, as you said, it was mentioned uh, on a future future uh, show that came up, but I thought that was a really smart move just to acknowledge it because as some fans, the casual fans, they might just see them as a tag team and think of, hey, they can't go as singles competitors, which could really hurt them. I think them getting out in front of it and stating that was a very smart move. And then when the uh, when the match kind of started, you could see that Wayne's left arm was still taped up from that minor injury that he'd gotten from the previous night. Uh, Parker and Lloyd were established as the heels. It was very obvious from the get-go. There was a point where I believe it was Oliver extended his hand for a handshake and Parker just kind of backed off and tagged in Lloyd. And that was where that whole heel thing was really established. I did notice, though, that the crowd was definitely... I guess the clapping was more alive this show than the other two previous shows. I don't know what the what the difference was. Maybe it was just we had a couple louder fans, but it was really nice that they were more alive. Yeah, and I think this match kind of also brought the energy out because um, I know you kind of not spoiled it, but it kind of gave me a heads up when you were, uh, we were record or right after. Oh, recording. really? You kind of no, you didn't spoil anything. You kind of gave me a heads up after one of our recordings. Uh, when we're playing catch up here, like, hey, did you check out the Jordan? Uh, the the show yet i was like no yes like, yeah like oh keep an eye out for jordan's match which made me think like oh, okay this is going to be interesting and not only was i super excited to find out he was going against drew parker because i just i love those two competitors and as i said drew's not a quote unquote strict death match wrestler i love how he could just go in the ring and showcase he has great technical ability and the traditional kind of setting and we definitely saw that here and i loved how Oliver and Drew had a very great sequence to start off the match, as you said, um, and kind of kind of started the match pretty hot. That got got the crowd hot behind them as well. And Drew Park and Jimmy Lloyd worked together as a tag team as well. I just like how um, I think Jimmy Lloyd had Nick. Yeah, so Jordan Oliver was on the ground. Jimmy Lloyd had Nick Wayne up for a suplex and kind of made him spread his legs a little bit. And Drew Parker went to the top rope and jumped over or through Nick Wayne's legs. Um, and did a swanton onto Jordan on the ground. And then as that happened, Jimmy Lloyd turned that suplex into kind of like that corner pile driver that he does and like pile drive Nick Wayne's head right into the ground. I thought that was just a great sequence of move by them, uh, by Drew Park and Jimmy Lloyd as well. And this match was, this match was fun. Like it was super fun. And I think that could have a lot to do uh, as the crowd getting a lot harder than we had the first previous shows. Okay, so about halfway through in my notes here, I wrote that Wayne and Oliver were really working well together and individually. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because 
It's exciting when there's one or the other. Really exciting when there's both. About the same time, halfway through, the rules broke down, and there were a ton of double team moves that were just fantastic. It's something to want to, you know, you're going to want to go back and look at. And then, lastly, I noted here towards the end that Parker and Lloyd were primarily there to elevate the Wayne and Oliver team. And I think they really did that in this match because when I went to look back through my notes and I'm looking for the highlights from that side, I really wasn't seeing as many. So that told me that they were really out there being set up to make sure that those two look good. And I wanted to see, like, I'm looking how it was just to elevate Wayne and Oliver. I'm almost saying, though, looking at every every person in this, I think every person stood to learn something from this match. And I think that's great, too. Yeah, I had no idea who would win because I know Drew Parker is and Jimmy Lloyd are very over in Japan. And um, as we know, like there was not really any storytelling or anything. So it didn't matter who won or who lost. But I was actually like, as this match was going, I was like, I wonder who they're going to have win because uh, I think Jordan and Nick could obviously get as many victories as they can as a team to kind of help solidify themselves. But I could absolutely see Drew and Jimmy winning just because they're super talented and over in Japan. And what a way to kind of get the night started by making the fans happy and giving Drew and Jimmy the win. But I think, as you said, they were so loud for Jordan and Nick that I didn't think they care who won because it was such a great match to start off the night. It wasn't long. It was a pretty short match. But I just seeing Drew Parker in there and not having to touch a weapon is kind of like how I originally stated is when i first kind of saw him and liked him i was like i didn't even see him do any deathmatch stuff and i was like he's incredible in the ring and then like i think it was like the next show he's in a scramble or four-way deathmatch and just getting bloody and with all the lights he was like what i just saw this guy just have a regular match the night before how can he do that and like he's talented he's just talented no matter what he does so i i loved it I, this was a great start to the the night and uh oliver and nick wayne do pick up the victory as they hit to double clout cutters for the victory and yeah it was fun very fun night or fun match great to foot forward as yeah. a team yeah no it was. it was it was really good uh foot forward as a team i hope aew is seeing what these two are doing i think jordan will eventually get the call up i just don't know from who or from where but at the end of this fan gave heavy applause for uh both wayne and oliver as they should um let's see is there anything else i can really say about it but fan fucking tastic every time here's this weird phenomenon i think i talked about once or twice before anytime wayne is in a match or jordan is in a match it's like i'm so happy to watch the match i can give a shit who wins unless the match was really important for a championship reason or championship run yeah and i felt that felt that way a lot during a lot of these matches uh just in general over the last couple of months that GCW has been doing because they've just putting on awesome talents together, great matchups together. And like, I haven't really had any rooting interest other than just let me see an awesome, awesome uh, match. And I've been getting that. So I definitely came of, came out of a lot of these matches and shows very uh, entertained and very happy because as you said, uh, that phenomenon of just like, hey, I don't care who wins. I know I'm going to see some greatness right now. Let's just sit here and enjoy it. And whatever happens, happens. As you said, unless there's, hey, this is the number one contender or a title right. match or something like that. But it, it was fun. Seeing these four competitors, I, I was all for it. And I'm kind of glad they didn't get any violence because, as you said, I Dick Wayne and Jordan kind of aren't those uh, style wrestlers. But you just never know with Drew Parker and Jimmy Lloyd where they get tired of following the rules and want to bring out the violence and get the blood going. So very fun and entertaining way to start off match one of GCW's. And that will lead us into match two of the evening as 
Effie goes one on one with Kikutaro. And yeah. Yeah, after following that first match and seeing how great the in ring action was and how smooth and solid and great as a match in ring it was, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the comedy in this match. This is going to get out of hand. This is going to be pretty silly. Let's just watch it. And boy, was I right. But boy, was I wrong as well, because, uh, yes, this match definitely had a lot of a uh, lot of silly stuff that happened during the match, which is fine. It all made sense. It made it that much more entertaining in my eyes, because these two obviously are just they Effie can do the serious, do the comedy, whatever. Kikutaro, I've only seen him do serious. But when it came down to actually wrestle in this match, like this was uh-huh. the best. I've seen Kikutaro probably at least 20 times. This was the best Kikutaro segment match whatever i've seen him in because not only was i just dying laughing but i was kind of not blown away but surprised how effortless he had a good match with effie and it was a nice change of pace to see kukataro have a fun match and or have a good match while having fun during it so um yeah this match ended up sneaking up into one of my favorite matches of the weekend okay so remember that right after i was finishing uh, right after i finished watching this match i literally wrote to you something i've never written about in a match before i said that was an awesome match the ending was cute now we'll get there eventually but i really did think the ending was cute and then i laughed my ass off okay so i love kikutaro i say the name kikutaru so much that i call him kiku from here on out i've tried to retrain myself for some reason that's just what it is Okay, I'm going to say it loud and proud. I'm really happy about it. And um, again, I like Japan style Effie. I really do. He has such a propensity to do cute and happy things that can pull on people's hearts. And he can do these things that I think do cross over wonderfully for families and kids when he sticks into that um into that atmosphere i'm not saying he has to stay that way i'm just saying like having like a wrestler having a serious match every couple months or every you know year yeah i think that having a nice fun match even just for kids would be absolutely just cute and this one was more fun than it was sexual and that really was I'm not being a prude. It was just, I smiled. And for me, sometimes I like being a kid with this wrestling shit at 42 years old. I I still feel like I just, I was having so much fun and yeah. So at the, uh, yeah, I'm so manly. Yeah. But it was cute. Yeah. They played so perfectly off each other. And I knew Effie was charismatic. Um, the most charismatic I kind of saw him lately was the settlement series when he was the judge. I was just like, man, Effie, if he doesn't have to wrestle, uh-huh. if he wants to be a commentator and be a manager or like he did anything that's not physically in the ring, but as a on camera, let's say like when his career does wind down, I think he has so much charisma and control over a uh, crowd and like how he gets the crowd to react to him and the way he responds to the crowd reacting to him i think he makes quick little adjustments to make everything pretty fun and this was one of those matches i like this effie was he's super talented and charismatic and i loved every piece of this match as you said it, it was fun it felt like a kid and I just loved how Effie went to do his drop down spot on Kikutaro and then like ends up pulling out a bunch of money and like or yeah. pulled out like a ten or something or five at first and Kikutaro's like, uh, what's this? Like my hand's a little light here. Give me some more. And then <laughs> Effie pulls out a couple more dollars and Kikutaro's like, 
hold on, I could get some more money. Let's keep on going. And then every pulls out like this giant like bank stack of money. And I was like, okay, I'm good. And then he like he has like a handler on the outside and gives all the money to the handler. And then he's like pointing to the handler, like, hey, don't touch that. And FP's just sitting there, okay, I paid for this, give it to me. And then Kikotaro was like, no, you don't get it. You get my hip instead. So I, I love this was, as you said, entertaining, fun, felt like a kid. This this is what wrestling kind of should always have in between like a super talented match as we just saw before the technical abilities. And I think right after this match or shortly, a- oh yeah, right afterwards, we get followed by blood and violence. So right away in three matches, we've seen great technical, nice fun comedy match and get violent. And I think as a, as a fan of Kikutaro and Efri matching them together in between these matches was perfect and a great pacing of the show. And yeah, these two definitely killed it with the comedy spots and with the in-ring action. And I would say with both of their facial reactions, but Kikutaro always has the same facial reaction. So I guess that's kind of a moot point. <laughs> so I have to do this only because there were so many of them, but it was such a comedy match that I went back and wrote down a lot of the comedy spots. So I'm just going to kind of spitfire these real quick. The match started the fight and they started kind of fighting like kids. Yep. And which eventually they started to kind of like slap hand fight. And they tried to get the ref involved, which didn't happen. Effie grinded on Kiku when Kiku kind of had him held up. And he goes over to the rope and he's kind of covering his, his dick. And he's like, he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then Effie tries to grind on Kiku pretty much every way that Kiku holds him from the front or the back. And something I'd never seen from Effie, Effie, Effie walked the ropes. Yeah. Have you seen that before? No, I've uh, uh no, I've never seen Effie do it. Oh. Yeah, that was that was the first one for me. Also hearing Effie with his southern accent going, Where's my damn chairs? Go back and listen <laughs> to that. Yeah. It's very rare to hear that, but every now and then that southern comes out and it was kind of fun to hear. Mini chairs had come out during this. I don't know if anybody, you know, the, the little mini chairs and they start to fight with them. And when we're like, saying mini chairs, we're talking the size of a like a card, like a playing yeah, card that yeah. you play solitaire or war with. It is that size of a metal chair. It's fantastic visual seeing, seeing them kind of fight with the chairs. So then they take both of these chairs and they start to kind of fight with them back and forth. And then they go to sit down on these chairs because they figured that they were going to kind of do a back and forth fist fight, a good old brawl like you'd see, you know, on some of these other tough guy matches. And they go to sit down and they basically break both of the chairs and hurt their asses, both of them. Uh, Cute boy is what you hear from Kiku because he wants to do a low blow on Effie. So he tells the ref, cute boy. So of course the ref turns around and tries to look for this boy that's out in the crowd. And you can see her kind of look and shake her head no, like nah, and then turns back around. By that point, Effie got hit with a low blow and then turns around and Kiku gets hit. Wait, I might be saying this wrong, but Kiku gets hit. And he's going, oh, my balls, my balls. And it was great because it sounded like I'm kind of saying it. It's great listening to someone yell it through the mask. Yeah. <laughs> and he does a so, little dance with it, too, which I thought was hysterical. Yes. And then and then he's down there and he notices someone's behind him. So Kiku go aheads and he kicks behind him trying to hit someone in the balls and he accidentally hits the ref. So he's like, oh, shit, because he sees that Effie's standing in front of him. And Effie looked shocked. So, of course, Kiku turns around and goes, oh, you couldn't have felt that because you have no balls. <laughs> yeah, I'm just literally watching that part right now. And yeah, oh. so the referee Scarlett Donovan and her reaction when she got kicked. 
was the most hysterical thing ever. Kiku's like, yeah, I got her. And then like, she's just standing there with her hands on her hips, just like looking at her or looking Come at on. Kiko. And then Kiko turns around and she's like, starts getting all mad at him. Like, oh, Scarlet Donovan's slow key become a, like one of my favorite referees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's been adding a lot to these matches, even when it's like comedy or serious or pretty much any match with Titus Alexander. She's finding a way to be a memorable referee while not taking away from the action. And this match was hysterical because of the stuff like that spot in that same area there she actually slaps kiku and then turns around and just a little bit you know just a couple seconds later there gets effie and she's standing there and both of them are pretty much like telling the fact that they just got freaking slapped by her yep uh, th th this was so fun like just even like i said i'm rewatching it again as we're going because like i wanted to see that spot again and i like literally wipe away tears from my face right now laughing so hard because <laughs> Like, this was so fun match. Like, this, what a, out of all, like, we've seen Invisible Man, we've seen Early Morning Guy Steel, we've seen Hikutaro a couple times. Like, for entertainment, this was one of the top things I've seen GCW do. Like, Sediment Series, the first one, was pretty fun as well. Just kind of, like, a little different how it was fun. But as a whole show, being fun and entertaining, it was really good. But this match is right up there for me because i like i said rewatching it now this is the third time i've watched that part i'm just dying laughing and have tears in my eyes so please go back <laughs> and check out this one because it was yeah this match alone as we said i've kind of now picked out like one match a night that's worth the price of admission to watch this would definitely be the one for me because uh it, it had fun it was great in ring but great great comedy as well he kisses Kiku towards the end of this match and stunned him. I mean, truly stunned him. And that is how we got our winner. Effie basically went over, hit him with under the rainbow. And that was around an 11 minute match. It was absolutely fantastic. The bell rings and you can hear Kiku on the ground, almost thrown up. He's going, ah, ah, and the, everybody's laughing their asses off. But uh, yeah, once it's all over, everybody stands up. Effie kind of gets down on one knee and kisses Kiku's hand. And none of it was, you know, anything. It was kind of more fun. And then Kiku gets down and he kisses Effie's hand. And of course, they have to kiss. So they kiss. And then what I thought was cute was the fact that at the end, they kind of both held hands and then they leave together, which is cute. The music's playing in the background. And once they both go to the back, the music's kind of trailing off, and you can hear Kiku like screaming, ah, 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 and I couldn't hear because it was in Japanese, but then you can hear ah, a second time, and the people are laughing. Did you hear that? No, I did not. No. Oh my God, go go listen to it. I, I don't care if it's even like while we're recording, you have to go listen. It is so comical. That made the match for me is you can hear him backstage screaming. I like have, if he's trying to fuck with him. I will have to go back and watch it because if I do yes. watch it on on the thing now, it will pick up in the stream. So uh, oh, okay, I, okay, okay. I will definitely do it as soon as we're done. I'll watch it because oh. I, I, I know this, like I said, I, I fast forwarded to this part just because I wanted to watch that spot again because I know you're about to bring it up. And I was just like smiling, just thinking of the spot. So I'm like, yeah. hey, I'm here. You're talking about it. Let me just pull it up real fast and watch it again. And I, I want to go back and just rewatch this whole match again because... <laughs> like from start to end, it was amazing, and I like I will probably catch a lot of things that I missed that you caught like that. So uh, I definitely want to catch that part to see what Kikutaro does. And that I'm not a huge fan of the Kikutaro stuff. It's got its for me. It had its point where okay, come out and do your little five minute stuff, but like when it gets dragged out fifteen minutes, and it's too much for me. I did not care about this match. This could have gone on another 10, 15 minutes and I would have enjoyed every single second of it. And like I said, in-ring, this was kind of like good in-ring action for Kikutaro too because usually just the comedy where 
he actually did a little bit of pretty good wrestling with Effie here. And these two definitely killed it. I, match of the night for me because just the smile on my face and just enjoying a fun wrestling show or match. And, and that's how wrestling should be. And it was awesome. Um, so the last thing I just want to say here was normally you wouldn't see this fast pace opener and then a comedy match as match number two. And they really pulled it off well. I would have almost thought that something like this would have been good between match four and five. Yeah, after you know, all to the kind violence. of break up. Yep. Yeah, because match number three, the, the the rest of this card coming up is so freaking violent that I can see now why they put it here. But I also could have seen it between match four and five. Um, yeah. But I I just wanted to say that they made their one comedy match look so damn good that they didn't need a second one anywhere else on the card. And you know what I realized too was with these shows, most of the matches after the first they. They went right in order. If it was a death match, like at some point, the rest of the matches were going to be death matches. Cause like, I forgot to make a, oh, yeah, too, yeah. like on the, in the ring, like how clean the ring is. But then after the first death match, you still see a lot of the pieces of glass and everything still in the ring. Even after like, they kind of sweep it up and stuff like that very quickly, but there's still so much left in that ring where it just like, it's littered throughout the whole ring, which is, Kind of cool scene, but it's kind of also crazy thinking about if I'm in later on in the night, how much glass is still going to be on the map before I even get to bust a light tube yeah, and have to yeah. be aware of and stuff like that. But it adds kind of the whole ultraviolet kind of thing where what's a little piece of glass going to do if they're both just slamming big pieces of glass in their head. So I didn't mind it, but I did. I do kind of like seeing that little visual on the freedoms ring that they had because uh, to me, it made it look pretty cool. And this will go into our third matchup of the evening. As it is a tag team deathmatch, as Sasaki and Miyamoto ah, teamed up and going against Slack and Segura. And Slack and Segura as a team, I'm like, what is this team? I cannot wait to see this disaster of all four competitors just going at it. But seeing how Slack and Segura team up, I was like, that's pretty. That's a pretty odd pairing, but. I don't mind it because it's these shows have been very fun and entertaining. So give me all the crazy wackiness booking you could do because so far it's worked and it's been fun. So uh, heading into this match, yeah, that was where my thanks, my thoughts were like Slack and Segura. Let's see what happens. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so Toru has a great personality when it comes to working with the crowd he really plays up to the crowd well i liked how he came out bad boy style with his gcw shirt and you hear him going gcw and he's trying to get the crowd kind of you know like hey here's what's going on and um i laughed at a point where toro was in the wrong corner he was trying to get tagged and schlack actually had to go wrong corner and took him over to the other and tagged him did you see that yes and how bad does that have to be where schlack is playing the in-ring general <laughs> on a tag yeah. team match like that's what stuck out to my mind is like what is schlack telling anybody to do anything because don't really schlack's just like the big meathead that comes in causes violence and wrecks shit up and then leaves and leaves everyone happy and seeing him kind of yeah being like the more vocal kind of person to say like hey you need to go over there toru i was like who are you slack to say this slack that i know <laughs> you must have during that time away you must have dove into the gcw uh rule book and learned all the gcw rules because he's helping out segura here yeah that flight probably is where he got a chance to <laughs> right. read you know 14 15 16 hours worth of reading there you can't see slack uh, just putting on his reading glasses and enjoying a nice book about rules on a 16 hour flight with the little the little pillow the neck pillow yeah. and enjoying it i see him enjoying looked, some tea and everything else like that 
Uh, yeah, I think I can see him having Zen-like moments. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think um, he looks really interesting. He looks like a completely different man with glasses on. I've noticed that. Just you ever seen him with glasses? Actually, no, I didn't. Different. Yeah, go look that up when you get a chance. There's probably an interview out there somewhere on YouTube. You might oh, see it. Um, okay. But yeah, Toru is very vocal, and I really love that in a lot of wrestlers. I say that about Kevin Owens. I say that about quite a few guys. If there were more wrestlers who did that, the more fantastic it would be because it, it brings this interactivity to the crowd. Chairs came in at around the five minute mark. There were some spots about money, but it was more or less for the Japanese audience. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to touch much more on that, but it was around a minute and a half, two minute thing. And it was part of the show. Everyone ended up eventually teaming up on Toru and Schlack beat the shit out of him. Toru busted Schlack with a chair and Schlack hits a sit down power bomb on Toru. And that completely had the team fall apart. And I don't want to announce the winner yet. I just wanted to kind of hit those high points. Um, what are your thoughts on this one, man? Yeah, uh, I was a little confused too. That we see two competitors come out. I'll be honest, I don't, I didn't catch who it was. We don't have commentary, so I didn't really hear who it was. But they didn't yeah. look recognizable from the last couple episodes or last couple shows from Japan. So I honestly had no idea who those wrestlers were. Like, yeah, they came out and kind of like helped out Schlack and. Uh, the girl for a little bit and then yeah i don't know it was just it was a little weird that part but as you said it must have just been for the japanese audience which is fine like hey give them give them their little easter eggs and stuff like that because they're the ones at the show and you gotta yeah, yeah. the fans at the show first before you entertain the fans at home so like i just didn't understand what was going on but it didn't take anything away from the match for me it's just like oh i don't understand what's going on but it like i said they went right into it it seemed like it was obviously a part of the match and plan so whatever they planned for that spot i hope it worked out I just have no idea, but um, yeah, once uh, um, I forgot, I think it was Miyamoto, once he kind of gets back in the ring, it, it becomes way more serious and it's uh, it does look better. I do have to admit that he does look like he's a little bit more in a, in a good way, slowed down in the ring and not just crazy and chaotic as I mean, it's slack like <laughs> he, he is a he's right. a bull in a china shop. It doesn't matter <laughs> like what he is, but I know sometimes when he kind of gets in those kind of moments where the blood gets to him and his energy is, uh, his blood gets flowing and his heart rate goes up. He kind of just goes crazy. Just wants to hawks out. Yeah. Exactly. And whether it be good or bad, where I kind of like it now, it seems we got a more tame version of Schlack. Like we did see him against the K to get a little <laughs> crazy and just start swinging the chair <laughs> unsafely and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I do like seeing Schleck in the ring. It does feel, as you, I think you said before, it feels like he's back home and it does feel good to see him in a GCW ring because that's where I think we all think that's he des where he deserves to be and where he kind of does his best work is in the GCW ring. And uh, I felt it was nice seeing Schleck back. But this was a pretty good match. I thought it was going to get a little bit more violent than what really happened. But I'm fine with it. It was fun. It was it was a good match. It wasn't nothing, like you said, nothing to write home about, but nothing to complain about either. It was just a nice, solid match. It just wasn't as violent as I thought it would be having Schlack and Segura in it. And we will go into the winner of the match as the team of Sasaki and Miyamoto do pick up the victory as they pin Schlack uh, for the victory. And yeah, it was a fun match. I don't, I'm a little surprised to see Schlack lose because I know, once again, I know how loved he is with the Japan crowd and stuff like that, but... I don't hate it. I don't mind it. Doesn't affect anything. This was fun, entertaining show for the fans and us at home. Once it got produced to enjoy, and that's what this match was. It was an enjoyable match. Yeah, I um, I'm gonna know Schlack's home when we see him at the Carousel Room, and then when we see him in LA. When I see him 
in both spots for specific reasons, I'll know he's really home then. Yeah, I don't think um, any of the shows I ever went to, I don't think Schlack's ever been on a card out there. Well, there's 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 other companies in L.A. and I well, don't nowadays, know yeah. to, now so I know what's going on. But before I don't like I, last yeah. year, I don't I don't remember seeing him at all before all this stuff happened. So but we weren't seeing as many death matches in L.A. as we are now. Like now it's definitely picked up more death matches in L.A. over these last few shows. So maybe we will start seeing Slack out there more and uh, seeing what he does, because, yeah, I I'm the same way, like uh, between A.C. and uh the ac and ucc those kind of feel like the two major homes for ecw and once we get to see him back at home and kind of seeing the reaction that he gets uh, it'll be fun to see because i'm interested to kind of see what kind of reaction he gets as well either in ac or in la because of uh various outside possible conflicts and everything else yeah it's been, but it is nice to see schlack like i'm not a huge giant giant schlack fan i think he fits a purpose and for his character what he is just to come in rection go like, I don't mind seeing him as that. And I did feel seeing him back in the GCW. He was like, man, yeah, I kind of do miss Slack just kind of going in and causing havoc and even destruction Dude. in his warpath. So uh, I am glad to have him back. So you take uh, Schlack and you put him with Brian Cage. They could be the new brothers of destruction. You want to talk about a crew of two people that would just injure the fuck out of people <laughs> and themselves. That would be a crew to do it. And then uh, for a third man, let's put Big F and Joe in there. And we've got a team of three guys who would just be unstoppable as a team in death matches. Yeah. Be interesting. Anyway, yeah. Death match. Yeah, that's never going to happen. They're protecting his <laughs> face. You know, they're protecting the moneymaker kind of thing. That's what that is. No, serious. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's trying to keep his mainstream so he doesn't cut up his looks. For our fourth matchup of the evening, we have another death match as Joey Janela going against Sakuda. And yeah, I wanted to see how crazy Joey would get kind of on his last night in Japan. I would uh, was thinking he would leave it all out there, kind of how he typically does, like, but especially if he's overseas and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Joey's always going to give 110% out there and try to find some way, some crazy shenanigans to, uh, to make the crowd happy, to get the Get, a, get him as a talking point in these conversations. And uh, Sakuda, I think, was a good opponent for him to have for him to have this match with and to get that kind of recognition because I think they gelled well, very well in this match because I haven't seen too much of Sakuda other than what we've seen on this uh, on this tour. And I think I think I saw Sakuda on the last tour as well when they were in Japan, but this was quite a few years. Oh, like like two or two years ago. So um, this was that. This was a good match, fun, entertaining. This brought the violence that I kind of was missing on the last match. So, uh, I did Ooh, leave. Yeah, yeah, I definitely left this. Uh, left this match a lot happier than what I did the last match. Okay, so <laughs> Sakuda was bleeding from the neck almost instantly, and and I think there was a point where Janela even says, "Wait, how are you bleeding?" And you can see the ref say, "Your chain." So Janela's chain must have got caught or poked him in the neck and you could see it was enough to where it was bleeding down the guy's chest and that's crazy i the whole necklace stuff with the crosses or like when jeff hardy used to wear it with his little like logo that had the sharp ends like five different sharp ends and it was like a choker necklace like yeah i do not understand especially at a death match how you could wear jewelry and like earrings or anything like that because i yeah that just seems like it's an unnecessary uh Something that could, like, unnecessary, something that could happen that doesn't need yeah, to happen yeah. if you just remove the necklace. Because it's already dangerous enough as it is, but 
Uh, yeah, I didn't really notice. I kind of saw them when they pointed at his neck, but I didn't really notice like what was kind of going on there and stuff like that. But that makes complete sense now because yeah, it's kind of weird. Like right away, Sakuda's blind. Like, wait, we haven't even brought out like any weapons or anything yet. Like, how are you bleeding? But that makes complete so do, sense now. Do me a favor because I'm going to bring it up in about 45 seconds to a minute. I want you to see it. Go to where Joey has those skewers in his, or the skewer, the uh, tattoo needles in his cheeks. Go there. And I want you to go to the part where you see him pulling it out. I'll get to that in a second while you're looking at that. So the first, the one thing I mentioned here, and it took me probably 30 seconds and I was embarrassed I didn't see it, was that there was a weed whacker on the mat. So I put that in my notes because I was really happy to see that. For some reason, I'm not big on darts, but I love fucking weed whackers. Yeah, I, must say, I don't know. That's, that's even worse. <laughs> like, I'm the opposite. I see the weed whacker. I'm like, oh, this is going to suck yeah. for somebody. Like, yeah. Usually it's Jimmy Lloyd, but I didn't see Jimmy in this match. So I thought for sure Joey was going to get it. Dude, Joey got it too. Yes. Minute two, light tubes. Joey got busted fucking good. Minute three, half of his face is just completely bloody bad. Minute four, it took very little time, and the weed whacker was taken to Joey's back pretty fucking hard. Okay, so here's what I wanted to mention to you. There was the spot where that goes through his cheeks. You see the needle go through his cheeks, and I'm thinking, oh shit, that's crazy, right? Yeah. And then he takes lemons. And he puts the lemons on the skewer like like it's a Joey kebab. Yeah, it's yeah. Crazy. Now, now, there'll be a point where you'll see him do a move or two, and then he's going to take the lemons out, and then you're going to see it pull it out of his cheek. Now, I'm kind of one of those guys. I was raised around a Cuban lady. Uh -huh. If that guy has a demon, you see that demon in that motherfucker in that. Go look at that yeah. face and the yeah. eyes and everything. Watch the video. I watched that video like and then he grabs probably five, six times. And I go, Steph, look at the face and the eyes on that man. Like it's a different person when you pull it out. And I go that right there. That's the crazy motherfucker you rarely see. And it came out in his face like that's. That's the demon Joey right there. Dude. And it wasn't one of these short ones as we've kind of seen them go like with the short needles. Yeah. Like yeah. where they go through both cheeks and then squirt off the water out of a syringe. Like this was not no syringe. I, I, it could have been a tattoo needle. I'll be honest with you. That thing was long. That was a good minimum, minimum a foot. Yeah, it was minimum six foot. inches out of Joey's mouth on either side. Where Both sides, yeah. Even the, the kebab was put all the way to his cheeks and you can still see the bars outside of his face. And that oh, was a right, giant yeah. thing and he pulled it out and right away like i saw too like him just grab the light tubes and hit his head it's like yeah joey's in a different element right now he's one of dude he's like <laughs> he's got a point i saw to his face it's gonna be bad i saw his face and i'm thinking about all the cuban things that my wife had taught me <laughs> i'm like okay is that chango what ghost is that going on in that boy because that's some crazy stuff yeah the minute seven joey's face was covered in blood quite a bit um, he got put through a barbed wire board in minute seven, minute eight. Sakuda did a dive from the top of the ladder onto primarily no one and fell onto light tubes and chairs. Minute nine was more tubes and chairs. Minutes 10 through 13 was really a lot of wrestling involving light tubes. I don't know how many light tubes were broken in those two, three minutes, but it was just fantastic amount, man. Yeah, this, this was a crazy Vicious. match. It was, it was so fun to watch. And like, this was at the time of the night. I was like, okay, I'm ready for some violence. Like I was ready for it last match. Didn't quite get it. So I'm like, what the hell? And yeah, this one definitely made up for it because this was a Joey match. This was, this was good. Sakuda was, I, whenever I see Akira even go up to the top and he has the light tubes behind his back and he jumps off, 
Like, I think there was one time we we were talking about it where he landed like that. Was that such an angle? Or no, maybe it was Cyclope. I think it was Cyclope when he jumped off the Art of War games. That's what it was. And the angle of the tubes just had disaster written all over. Like, I get mm-hmm. I get squeamish when that kind of stuff happens. Like, when they go up to the ladder with those light tubes because, yeah, just it's just dangerous enough with the light tubes. But when you add that height and angles and then you got to wrap it around your back and try to land on somebody mm-hmm. on top of that like i just think it just adds more more options for disaster and Huda didn't even just take the backflop he didn't turn it into a swanton which was yeah pretty yeah. crazy and luckily it wasn't as you said it was right onto chair so it didn't land on anybody but every time i see them go up top with high to high altitudes with the with light tubes i always kind of get worried but Huda. Absolutely killed it. I now want to watch some more Sakuda matches. I don't know if he's been announced for NGI yet or whatnot, but I I, I want this NGI not to be like eight wrestlers no more. I want six. I, I know it's selfish and I know it's super dangerous, but I after watching these Japan shows, I think like you could bring eight over just by themselves. And then GCW's got at least eight amazing deathmatch wrestlers. And obviously, as we kind of gotten like Akira from somewhere else and other pe- other wrestlers at this thing. There's so much talent out there. But yeah, Sakuda, after this after this match, I was like, I definitely want to see him in NGI because I think he would be pretty violent in there against a Drew Parker, against uh, a Cole Radrick would be fun to see. Um, yeah, this was this was fun. Very, very violent. Lots of blood. A lot of cool spots. A lot of danger spots. But um, in typical Joey Janela, it just kind of goes on and on until like he finds... That he's had enough of the violence, yeah. and you could tell, like it just said at that point where he's like, "Okay, we're done. We need to end this." Because I think the the adrenaline started wearing off on him because he started wearing it a little bit more towards the end. But it was still amazing, and I loved it. Like once again, these shows just—I have yeah. not seen a bad match during these shows, like in Japan, and the violence is just out of this world and fun to watch. So, uh, Joey Janela and Sakuta definitely tore the house down with this one. Very violent, very bloody. Our winner, Joey Janela, with the top rope foot stomp onto Sakuda, covered in light tubes and chairs. This is almost a 14-minute match. Uh, this match, I'll, I'll put it this way, and I'm going to kind of back you up here. When it came down to deathmatch violence, match two with Effie was like a zero. Then the third match coming up with Schlack was like a 60, so it's like zero to 60 really quick. And then this one's like 60 to 100 really quickly. Yeah. This one really kicked into high gear. And this was a fuck ton um, of just violence compared to what I I didn't know it was going to go this far. And I'm happy it did because I knew we had two more matches after this. And if if this was only four, holy shit, where are they going? Yeah, uh, I, I just said I didn't think it would go this violent. I think once Joey got that busted up. I think he just now knows he just, Hey, I got to just go with it and let it go and get bloodied up more and just keep on going with it because it could, it's going to look cool and it uh, will tell a cool story. And yeah, just, yeah, as you said, like I didn't expect them to kick it up that fast because we still had two more matches, which I kind of knew were going to be uh, pretty violent in their own right. So I thought this would kind of ease us into the violence. I thought after slacks tap slacks match and then, I thought as this match started until I like all the fuckery came out, I was like, that's a lot of shit that they're going to use during this match. I just was yeah. expecting like a barbed wire table or a couple light tubes here and there. Not, not the gratuitous violence that we saw already because we still had a lot more to go <laughs> for the, well, oh, yeah. the next two matches, uh, a lot more to go with all the violence happening in those two matches. But yeah, this was Joey's been on a run, man. It's been nice to see. 
Um, I know we will tomorrow. We're in a creative run. Yeah. A very creative run. Uh, I know we'll probably kind of talk about it once we cover Fight Club on our next episode. But um, seeing Joey kind of still perform at this level and seeing all the GCW after all this traveling that we were kind of talking about that they've done just in the month of October alone. It's been, well, I guess the end of September. The last three weeks, they've been, they've gone to UK. They came back to LA. They go out to Japan. They come back to AC. They're going back to Mexico next week. It's like, they're just, it's, it's a lot. And to yeah. see the performers kind of being on top of their game for the most part um, with all the traveling, all the crazy matches and the punishment they've been doing to their bodies. And probably I'm going to absolutely assume that not getting enough rest to recover from all this stuff because they land on Tuesday and right back at it Thursday or something like that. It's yeah, just, yeah. it's been incredible to watch. And um, it just gives to me, I just felt a lot more uh, gratitude to all the wrestlers for everything that they do because seeing the traveling and all that stuff cannot be hard and for them to still destroy their bodies as they are doing and putting on these awesome shows and matches it's been it's been very fun to watch and i just wanted to say like hey it's it's your dedication is not lost between with with our show like we understand the dedication no, no. and it's just been to me it's been kind of been like not inspiring to watch but like appreciative to watch them kind of do what they've been doing after, in japan and then coming back home and doing the fight club stuff so i just wanted to say that out because uh I know they've been these workers bust their ass, and we we might talk about oh they, like this match didn't live up to the hype. A lot of it's probably injury injury stacking up and travel issues and or just traveling in general jet lag. So seeing them kind of compete at the top of their game as they did in Tokyo for those three nights was pretty awesome to see because of just in general everything their crazy schedule that they've had lately. So I just wanted to make a mention of that because I know we kind of talked about it about Fight Club. Well. What I was really happy with was we're probably going to get another look at these two again. Both men showed respect and both men said in the ring one more time. So I'm really hoping we see this again because this was satisfying and I don't I couldn't see a death matcher not enjoying this match. So I want to see it one more time. That's for sure. And of course, Joey ends the way only Joey could end. He pulls his pants down and purposely shows his ass in Japan as he uh, he leaves <laughs> for one final time. Gives gives the American goodbye to the Japanese fan and only Joey Janelli. <laughs> and that will lead us into our fifth matchup of the evening at is, as it is for the GCW Ultra Violence title. As Rina Yamashita is defending the ultraviolet title against the current GCW Extreme Champion, Cole Radrick. And I was kind of shocked that they put kind of, it wasn't belt versus belt, but champion versus champion for one of the belts and not both. So um, I was right away kind of expecting maybe who would win. But as I talked about before, Maybe that person's not going to win because it's time to bring the belt back to the States and kind of defend it more where Yamashita might not uh, be able to. So I was very interested in seeing how this match would kind of play out. Um, this is kind of really the first. Well, I guess uh, Mance Warner versus Rena was a very good kind of a GCW storyline if you want to kind of bring that up as he kind of got a title match. But seeing kind mm-hmm. of GCW champion versus champion. Um was very fun for me like just to kind of think of what they were going to do and i just knew that these two were going to get violent i thought or i, I this is another giant step up not giant step up but a big step for cole radrick against a tougher competitor um in the ultra violent kind of scene and uh this match 
once again, just did not disappoint. Very innovative moves. I love the psychology that they had during this match. And that's kind of weird saying out loud about a death match. They had psychology, but they these two acts actually like let moves breathe, let the violence kind of breathe, told a lot of stories with their faces, not their actions throughout this match. So um I it got me emotionally invested as the match kind of went on to see like I I was rooting for Cole Radrick and it's kinda See him being a double champ would have been kind of nice to see him coming back to Fight Club as a double champ and then maybe losing mm-hmm. one of those belts, like the scramble, the extreme belt and a scramble or something like that. But um, yeah, this was fun. Another great match from Cole. Amashita just shows why she's as over as she is over here because she's been destroying it out there in Japan and putting on great matches. So uh, yeah, this was another fun and entertaining violent match. There was nothing but light tubes being thrown left and right and left and right. The first two minutes were primarily light tubes. Okay, here we go with the good old bullet points because this is an awesome fucking title death match we have here. Minute two, share with gusset plates all over it. Gusset plates were put into Cole's arms and light tubes uh, poor Cole had to uh, endure. Minute three, Rena gussets her own head. Cole gussets his own head. They butt heads with each other while having gussets attached to their foreheads. Minute four, Cole is sliced with a tube on three sides of the ring by Rena. She likes to always show off her work. Rena was put through a board wrapped uh, with barbed wire. Minute five was nice quality wrestling. Minute six, Rena wraps herself in barbed wire and punches Cole, then scrapes herself with the barbed wire. Minute seven through eight was quality wrestling. And I'm not lying, there was a lot of wrestling that was going on between these two. It was not just swinging shit at each other. Minute nine, trading punches, top rope splash onto Cole with light tubes, which ended up leaving our winner right around the 11 minute mark with Rena Yamashita, Yamashita, Rena Yamashita slamming Cole onto barbed wire chairs. Um, this was fantastic, dude. I was really happy with this one. And I was really excited that there could have been a double champ with Cole. Yeah. Like that's what I was kind of thinking too. I kind of liked, kind of felt nice to kind of think about possibilities and what could happen because we didn't really have storylines or matchups that kind of made any sense other than just putting on a cool match there, which is fine. It's it, did what it needed to do. It served its purpose, but this was one of those ones, pretty much the only one I thought of the weekend where I'm like, other than the Mance Warner one too, where, Hey, is Jamashita going to lose? Are we going to see the ultraviolet come back and be in GCW in the States and not just being, having it defended overseas? Um, and Cole Radrick being a double champ, I thought, like I said, would have been kind of a cool look walking, walking into fight club. Um, even though we kind of got, uh, we did get a champ versus champ in Fight Club as Cole Radrick went against uh, Joey Janela for the each other's extreme titles in the different their respective companies. But um, yeah, I loved kind of like uh, Yamashita kind of stealing Cole's spot that kind of made him all famous and not famous and popular, but kind of that's the everlasting spot that I remember from his match in Orn Bite. It was him on the ropes just taking the the light tube and carving his chest. Yeah, I yeah. live for this shit. And that's, I love seeing your master kind of do that and kind of still in the, still in that moment from Cole and doing it herself because she's been on a awesome tear and she's, she's, she's just as crazy as all of them. I want to now see your master versus Joey Janela and just the ultra, ultra violent match, because I think those two could have a great, uh, a great 20 minute violent match that could tell a great story and have a lot of cool spots and get a lot of emotion, uh, the fans emotionally invested it behind them both. So uh, just like how I was during this match, because I was rooting for Cole to kind of just see the double champ kind of factor heading back home in AC. 
But I'm not disappointed in Rena winning because she's been absolutely killing it over there. And she does seem to kind of, when the time is right, come over here uh, to the States and kind of defend it and, uh, and uh, show up to shows and stuff like that. So I, I'm just happy because it was a very violent match. Very awesome. Cool, cool spots. Um, and seeing kind of Cole step up to another death match. Not a legend, but another person on top of the death match scene right now in Rena is kind of a testament to kind of see if Cole, uh, his progression. And he's holding his own. These matches have been fun watching. And I definitely would like to see Cole go against bigger and better. Not better. There's not much bigger than Rena and Alex Cologne that he's already had to defend it against and stuff like that. So I just like seeing Cole getting these matches with the the top top of the line uh, deathmatch wrestlers and kind of seeing him hold his own and evolve. And so it's been fun to see that way for me. So I would like to see, um, especially how Cole has kind of improved, maybe Tremont and Cole. I think that would be something that would be kind of fun to see because if anybody's going to put him through it, I think he would. And I also think just like Cole, Tremont has that flair for the passion and the, he likes the theatrics. Yeah. They both play the theatrics so well. And uh, I think that Cole could get carved pretty good and make it look fantastic while he's getting carved. And I think, you know, with, with Tremont's know-how, it would just be great. Uh, both bow, both hugged each other. They showed respect. It could have been a double title situation, but it wasn't. And after all of this, Cole got a huge ovation, which I thought was really fantastic. And that's a testament to how much Cole just seems to connect with the fans. Yeah. So I'll go ahead because no. I've got a question for you coming up. Okay. I just wanted yeah. to say, like, I noticed it too earlier when um, Jordan and Nick were in the, in the ring and Drew Parker and Jimmy Lloyd kind of was like, hey, like you guys take this moment here. Like this is your guys' first time in Japan. This is like your last match of the trip here. So kind of soak it in with the crowd. Get go over with the crowd. Kind of enjoy the moment. Take it in because you never know when you might come back out here and might as well just enjoy. So I thought it was kind of cool of like the people that have been to Japan before, letting kind of like the newcomers, new wrestlers that wrestled for the first time in Japan, kind of at the end of the night or at the end of their match on the last night of the tour right here, they kind of all get their like little moments to shine and soak it all in. And I just thought that was kind of cool because shit, who knows what could change on a monthly daily basis in this world where they might not be able to go back to Japan again for a long time. And by then maybe who knows who got signed to other companies and stuff. So I just thought it was kind of cool of the veterans of Japan, letting the newcomers kind of, get the last bow and the last moments in the ring without them kind of taken away from it. So I was thought that I thought that was very cool seeing that. This What was your question now? Okay, here we go. Overall, who is the number one deathmatch wrestler in GCW at this time? Now, uh, maybe I'll talk for a minute because it is it is fair for you to kind of sit there and think it is a lot. You have one already. I see I, your mouth opening. I it's uh -huh. if you want to consider him GCW Drew Parker, in my yeah, sure. mind. Sure. Okay. I, Good. Uh, Drew Parker's up there. I hate to knock Alex Colon even to third. I think after this tour and after the UK, John Wayne Murdoch kind of showed that he belongs up there. Um, yeah. uh, I think at, currently, like in 2022 at this time, I think um, those two would be the two biggest ones for me. Um, if we're talking GCW specific, I would have to go John Wayne Murdoch because we've only seen Drew six matches in GCW this year, something like that. So again, I don't want to take anything away from John Wayne or yeah, I don't want to take anything away from John Wayne Murdoch um, because he's been there a lot. But I think 
overall this year he probably grew the most and got the most popular um just in this short time because of the feud with alex cologne and how much they've been using him lately in these ultraviolet matches have been kind of nice seeing i think the breakout star would be Paul radrick i think like the up-and-comer mm-hmm. star would be drew parker as like the next in line mm-hmm. to be the next big thing a hundred percent i think if you ask me like right now who's the number one death match wrestler in the world like not just yep. 22 i'd say alex cologne so i think okay, based yeah. off your question though um, this year who's the best gcw re- yeah overall wrestler? overall yeah because yeah. you got you got to figure in to see this is what i put overall in there for was because that includes the word wrestling yeah um, like yeah, so that automatically kind of puts Cologne in that category further up the list. Drew Parker, too, man. That motherfucker can wrestle. Uh, yeah. Like, he's so versatile on both sides. That's that, why I kind of like loved him at the beginning yeah. when I first saw him. Like I said, my first match I saw him was not in... There was zero weapons involved, if I'm not mistaken. It feels like a long time ago that was. But yeah. it's been a long time like since I saw that. And I don't remember there being any weapons, but I remember like the second time I saw him and he's got the light tubes and all this shit. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? He's a wrestler. But then he incorporated it so smooth and did some cool stuff. And that's why I like Segura. That's why I like Cologne, Sakuda, John Wayne Murdoch. It's like, as you said, they got the wrestling down. They don't just have the death match. They have the wrestling. So in my mind, that's like kind of why I like Drew Parker's for reasons like that. Okay, so since we're in the middle between number five and match number six coming up here, what I was really going to tell you was it really is for me between Cologne and Murdoch when it comes to overall. Um, if the violence level was stepped up on um, Cole, I would say we would add that more. I would say with Sawyer Wreck, I would need to see more wrestling, you know, things like that, I think, over time. But there's there's a lot to go. You know, but when it comes to tough as nails, yeah. I mean that that lady can take a yeah, fucking she's, punch. Yeah, she's tough. Uh, yeah, so. she's been she's had a couple impressive moments with the death match death matches here. There, I don't know if I would want to see her fully full time swinging a light tube at people on a weekly yeah. basis. <laughs> yeah. But at this stage of the game, at least, but like she's still growing. Like, she's one of these wrestlers that's literally growing. Hopefully, not still taller, but literally growing in front of her eyes and evolving and improving. And showing us like, hey, every every time we do see her, there's something a little different. I think because of her size and length, like it's just natural over and the charisma that she has with the crowd. Like I think she's naturally over in that kind of form. But I I think she's still got a long way to go to improve huh? the ring, which is fine. And yeah, I think they've been booking her pretty smart with putting her in like a Joey Janela. Uh, I don't know if she went against Raymond or not, but like she's been, being, she's being put in with veterans that could kind of help her out and help her grow and learn. Because the only way you're going to get better, obviously, is to be out there in front of the crowd and do it and learn on the job. So I, I just think she has a long way to go. Not discounting anything she's done now because to get over with as as good as as much as she is over with the AC crowd, especially. Uh, she's doing something right, obviously, and it's good for her oh, to yeah. kind of get that reaction. So she's doing what a lot of these wrestlers that aren't green and have been busting their ass and solid in the ring can't get over with the crowd for some reason. So uh, she's capitalizing on her strengths, which is very smart and very good. So I, I, I yeah, I thought. And here comes here comes Hunter Freeman, mm-hmm. right? Uh, coming up yes. the back now, finally, just just now getting started over in gcw and he's uh he's a wrestler he's agile he's got the length he's got he's got speed to him he's got strength and he's taking a fucking beating too he's another one that for right now has all the pieces to be a complete wrestler and he's still uh same thing uh upward trajectory yeah right now for sure and that will lead us into 
We did say yes. Yeah, Rena did win as she's still the ultraviolet champion. Um, will lead us into our main events of the evening. It is it is another GCW title match. This time for the tag team titles. Talking about two competitors that we were just talking about, the Mega Bastards, Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch, going against. I fucking love this team. I love this match. Everything. June Kasai and Takeda, and wow, I I hunkered down on this one. I definitely <laughs> wanted to watch everything. I wanted to watch the violence. I wanted to watch. June Kasai might be the last time I see him in a GCW ring. Um, Takeda, nice to see him back. Hopefully he does stay back and everything works out for him because I know he's had his own personal issues, which is tragic. And we just hope, I hope for the best for him. I think as a podcast, we kind of hope for the best for him. But it is nice seeing him back in a wrestling ring, especially for GCW and seeing them going against the Mega Bastards, as we just said, two of the top GCW uh, wrestlers, the Deathmatch wrestlers going against very arguably the top two Japanese deathmatch wrestlers and I was all for this match I was excited I thought this was the best way not even just a good way the best way to end this tour of GCW in Japan because these four competitors are the top four that you could put in a match of this kind of caliber as a main event to end Japan and it did not disappoint um yeah I don't want to (laughs) steal I I can talk about this match for a long time so I'll let you uh Go on and get your thoughts on in this match because it was very, very, very fun. Okay, so my initial thought was I wrote down I'm expecting a lot of blood. There's a lot of death match, death match talent in that ring. That's exactly what you said. I, we were both thinking the same damn thing. It's just pure recognition of all the talent that's going up in there. And uh, wow, tubes breaking everywhere in the first couple minutes of this match lots of tubes there were tubes attached to ring ropes that were used minute four we had tubes broken in murdoch's mouth gears put in poor murdoch's head minute five the gussets came out minute six kasai and takeda gussets into each other's foreheads and then murdoch was slammed onto the gusset poor murdoch minute seven and eight was fucking glass flying everywhere minute nine chairs and light tubes slammed onto poor murdoch last two minutes was murdoch continuing to take most of the i am not trying to it just came out with the fact that murdoch was on the receiving end of so much punishment that that's what took over my notes yeah yeah (laughs) We talked about how much punishment he took in Liverpool. We talked about the first couple of shows, how much punishment he's taken then. John Wayne Murdoch has definitely earned a vacation after the last yes. month of work that he's put in because he has been putting his body on the line, life on the line in these matches. Uh, zero fucks given and taking all these bumps. You don't, there's no like hesitation. There's no trepidation when he's doing these, these moves and taking these crazy spots because I just know, uh, yeah, some of these spots, I don't, after the punishment that he's taken, I, there's no one couldn't blame him if he wanted to move out of the way and not take one less spot than what he's done because he took a beating throughout the last pretty much month of GCW where I don't think anybody yeah. else could kind yeah. of <laughs> compare of the beating. Maybe Joey Janela, who knows? <laughs> but um, and, and, yeah, this was incredible. It was fun. It's so nice to see Takeda and Kasai still, while it might be at the very bottom of their prime, like it's not like they're washed and just kind of out there forcing it and not putting on a good performance. They can still go at a very, very, very high level. So right away for me, just seeing that was made it, um, 
fun, but also made me realize once again, like, hey, don't take this moment for granted because next time we see Takeda or Kasai after a year of deathmatch punishment, they might be complete shells of themselves because of all the damage that they've accumulated over the years. And I was just kind of found myself very fortunate to see Kasai and Takeda still at the top of their game going against probably two competitors, same thing, at the top of their game in their prime going at it. And um, I just didn't want... I don't. I don't want to take that for granted. I just hope the fans out there don't take that for granted too, because I, with everything that's gone in the world, who knows if we'll see them? I think we'll see Takeda. I think he was announced for NGI, which is a very cool thing. So, but seeing like Jun Kasai, I don't know if he's ever going to come back to the states and put on, do a little excursion and not excursion, but do a little tour out here in America and kind of do one last hurrah on the deathmatch scene out here, but he's definitely earned the right to stay out there and kind of just do what he's doing because it's, it was just amazing seeing these two. I, I cannot stress enough like this, this whole show and every single thing as a fan that I could hope for in a event, especially given that there's not storytelling, there's not real emotional investments going on and no commentary to kind of help explain stuff to me. I think, what was told in the ring throughout all three of these nights, especially on this last night, was just incredible and told amazing stories and had awesome in-ring talent and the violence and hit, the comedies, the fun. It made me leave and like, and after I watched this one, I was like, man, I hope they go to Japan real soon because this was a very fun tour that they had over there. So big thinking, I would love to see maybe the GCW crew brings in people from Japan and England out here to Atlantic City and maybe does a little thing where it's an international kind of there's so much talent there I almost wonder how they couldn't I want to say a deathmatch world cup that's, I, <laughs> I'm, I guess that's I guess maybe that's where I'm going deathmatch world cup and get everybody out here from different areas of the world and different area, parts of this country even to kind of who's the best from the northeast the south the Japan, UK, bring it, Mexico, bring it on. Uh, Because Saidi and Takeda, to me, I saw no lag whatsoever. And I was happy to see that those two are still kicking ass out there. You know, you start to hear deathmatch in the mid 40s. You're like, oh, it's not going to be easy. I didn't see anything from June Kasai at all that showed me that there was really too much, if any, slowdown at all. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. And it did not. There was what I mean is there was nothing in the match age wise that affected the match at all, nor did it affect his look or what he did. I like I didn't even think about age with this one. It's kind of interesting. I had to go and look and I went, fuck, he's beat up and he's 45. Damn, man. Um, We might as well just mention the winner here. The winner was the Mega Bastards. Twelve and a half minutes in Takeda tap out, which is just a a phenomenal thing that anyone could actually try to say. But the locker room empties out at the end of this. The companies kind of go on to their own respective sides. They're talking shit to each other. But in the end, um, everybody was friends. Everybody had a chance to say their piece. And uh, GCW was welcomed back. The... uh, the, the other company with Freedom's company basically left the ring so that GCW could kind of, you know, just give them their time to shine since they came all the way over to put on this amazing show for everyone over there. And then lastly, Lloyd had a riot shield. I forgot to mention this. I'm before so glad you were bringing this up, though, because yeah. this was this, to me, I got I was like, wow, this was actually a smart way and cool way to end the night off of what you're about to say because it, it was you're about to say it no you go said ahead go ahead no it. i interrupted you okay no no okay so uh jimmy lloyd i'm sitting there watching i go jimmy has a riot shield and i'm like i don't i don't know why wait and then it started to connect with me 
and they said this was for Marcus Crane. And I thought, oh, that is fan fucking tastic. And all the like the Japanese guys, you know, all the wrestlers came over and put their fists on it and shit. I thought that was cool. Janela said this was also for Danny Havoc, Nate Hatred, and everyone else they lost. And I thought that was an absolutely fantastic way to close out the show. And I think it's an absolutely respectful thing to see this GCW mud show guys do. You know, yeah, I, they have way more heart than some people may give them for at times. Yeah, I, I, I right away when I saw the riot shield, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Jimmy Lloyd. Yeah. Giving yeah. a shout out to uh, Marcus Crane because, yeah, I think this was almost been a year now that he. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought this was just cool way to, as you said, like kind of pay homage to the ones that they have lost that traveled with them last time. Because I remember Marcus Crane was pretty over when they were in Japan last time too. If I remember correctly, he did go over there um, and had a pretty couple crazy <laughs> matches. If I'm not mistaken, if I, I could be completely wrong, but I think I remember them like in the back of uh like in the, in the locker room taking some pretty cool pictures. And like, I, I think I remember seeing the wrestlers when Marcus, uh, did pass away that they were kind of all saying like how much when they were in japan how much he talked about how much he loved it there and but yeah. wanted to go back and spend time there because he loved the people there he loved the competitors he loved the fans like everything about it so i thought that was a very cool um way to kind of end the night as well based especially after this match um i did forget one cool spot in this match too is when takeda and jun kasai kind of turned the gussets on themselves like Takeda, oh, Takeda yeah. gusted in Kasai, Kasai gusted in Takeda. I was like, oh my god, are we gonna have like like the mega bastards kind of like uh, the mega power turn where Savage right, is gonna right. Hulk up and or uh, elbow drop Hulk Hogan and get them all hooked up? I was like, are they hulking themselves up here by attacking each other with the gussets? Um, yeah, this was very fun. I would say the one, and it's not really negative, it's just a thing I wish I could have seen, and I know probably there's many issues why, or maybe there's just one very obvious one that I'm thinking of, but I don't know. I missed, I think this would have been awesome seeing Ciclope and Medio. I thought oh my this, gosh, this yes. would have added, just those two would have added so much more to the matchups out there and the violence and everything. That was the one like I quote unquote negative that that's not even a negative. It didn't happen. So it doesn't matter. But I think I would selfishly would have loved to see those two kind of uh, get involved in the the tour somehow some way but i'm gonna assume visa issues because they just got their visas for the states not too long ago i'm gonna assume it's probably backed up and probably was not enough time to get uh some different visas for the japan show so uh maybe next well, time i think now it's getting to a point where i'm i'm thinking like it's hard to see gcw without los macisos in it now mm -hmm. i did not know how important they were I'm going to say that now, like I'm starting to really, it's starting to sink in. It's like, holy shit, if SG just, SG, SGC just left. And then all of a sudden they came back and I didn't know who the fuck they were. And here <laughs> I am sitting here going, oh my God, this tag team division needs Los Macizo so bad. And thank goodness we have them. And another thing I wanted to ask you too, if you notice it, because I really only noticed it during this main event. I didn't really pay attention to the other tag matches that happened earlier, but did you notice like they really kind of enforced traditional rules even during the death match where for the most yeah. part, for the most part, they're like, no, you got a tag, you get the tag. And like, that's something we don't see when they, we see like team Bussy going against SGC. Obviously I don't want to tag in that match. I want to see just fighting everywhere. But for the most part, when we see these extreme or more ultra violent tag teams go against each other, 
we normally see like no tags at all. No one's on the apron. It's always everyone's going and doing their thing. It's not like, hey, I'm on the outside and resting and recuperating. You guys go crazy. I thought that was very different seeing like Alex Cologne on the outside kind of waiting for a hot tag to try to get uh, out there. But when it, the stuff did break down, the referee let more shit go. But ultimately it came back to, hey, we need a legal man in there and tag. So I thought how they incorporated, Freedoms. yeah, how they incorporated Freedoms. those rules yeah. was pretty cool and different. Like as we talked about the seeing the Liverpool's matchups and styles and everything like that, yeah, just different kind of scene. And I I don't mind different when like when you go out to Japan. Have different rules. I'm cool with that. It's so as we talk about, maybe this is the presentation of freedoms with no commentary and stuff like that. I wish there would be commentary, but if it's just for the Japan shows, obviously because that's how they do it, I'm cool with the next time they go to Japan. But we don't see or hear any live commentary. I still would have call mind. me up, call you up, right? We could do it. I would have mind seeing like afterwards getting it like uh as you said like a tape delay or something like that or. Yeah. having video relayed out here to a, to a commentator where they could just commentate from their home while watching the show and still give out great uh, analysis and kind of feedback and storylines and stuff like that. But uh, the difference of styles, like the tag matches and the presentation stuff, I like it. I don't, don't mind it. Uh, it was a very nice, like, just, I just remember just Alex Cologne, like waiting for a tag. I'm like, why don't you just hop in there? I'm like, Oh, they're like enforcing these rules. It's kind of cool seeing. Yeah. So I don't know if you noticed too, but most of the Japanese talent were veterans. Oh in yeah, the uh, three event. Yeah, like they really. I I think that was their best put forward too. I I really appreciated that. And I think one, uh, not the only thing, but one of the things I've learned from listening to Alex Cologne and Stephen A on the World Deathmatch podcast on GCW Patreon, um, that I guess that's a it might be good for us because those are names we know and are familiar with. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's a big problem out there with big Japan wrestling and freedoms is oh, really? there's not other than like Drew, there's no young talent that they're building to kind of take over. Once these old, uh, older wrestlers start to retire and get away from the business, they've, they've kind of booked themselves into a hole where they're just still booking the top of line guys, no matter their, how much older they're getting less frequently they're seeing them. And they're kind of having a hard time building up new stars out there. So um yeah once you said that that was like that just popped in my mind it's like i remember them talking about that's how it's kind of a problem out there with drew's kind of it like so so here's another one for you uh, i was listening to Cornette, you know the bad guy to gcw which i'm unabashedly definitely a fan because i grew up and i understand g uh, i understand Cornette about 85 to 80 percent of the time um <laughs> I holy shit! I was gonna say something and I completely forgot what I was gonna say to you. Oh my goodness! The talent. I think this, building new talent, bringing. Oh things. oh yes yes. So Cornet. Okay, I'm so sorry. Thank you. So um, by the way, for anybody who wonders why I'm absent-minded, I am under the weather touch. So um, that's okay. Um, Cornet was talking about how Japan also has a problem with the lack of major names and talent going over to japan they uh they don't go over there now wwe kind of puts a cap on them so they don't go over and get to spread their wings in japan and and you know make japanese money and go that route uh where they used to hulk hogan would go over and some of these other wrestlers would go over especially before they were really well known but there was a lot of quality going over and they were talking about Cornette was talking about now how there's not as many well-known names going. you're not seeing roman reigns go over and take a summer run 
No, you're not seeing Bray Wyatt or some of these larger up guys who are multi multi millionaire guys going over there and running the Tokyo Dome. It's just not happening anymore. So Japan really does have a problem. It's kind of interesting and it really sucks to kind of say, but you're right. There is kind of a situation right now where I'm sure there is a ton of young Japanese talent that are just getting choked out right now from where maybe uh, they should be on stage. Yeah, I know. Like, I think the last person I could think of that's like gone out there and done something pretty big is like uh, Moxley. Moxley's the only one, not him and Jericho, obviously, and stuff like that. But um, I think what kind of hurt that stuff is the pandemic, obviously, because like yeah. we're just yeah. now over the last couple months, just now finally getting to see Parker come out here. Because I think like right away, as soon as Japan lifted those restrictions, like Brett was like, we got Drew Parker. Like we got yep. him. So, like, it was like that fast. So um, I think that kind of hurt of a lot um, about getting their talent out here and kind of getting their names out here bigger. I think it's a good thing and a bad thing though, but they are starting to do more stuff out here. So that way our yeah. wrestlers don't really have to go out there much. Like with the new Japan strong, um, and all the shows that they've been doing around the States here, still representing the new Japan, they're bringing in a lot of their talent from Japan over here for those kind of yeah. shows and kind of like splitting the rosters that way. So it's been kind of nice seeing that. But I think once you've created, like you've kind of made it so available out here for American indie wrestlers or American wrestlers just in general to kind of show up on your programming. Um, where's the, I've, we've seen like a lot of local names show up on new Japan. It's like, what? They would have yeah. never had that yeah. chance three, four years ago because like they weren't doing anything out here. I think it's been good for the young, like the younger talent, but it's also been good for the talent that's still not signed by one of these big companies that still can work Japan and still get that kind of cool crossover working in new Japan in America. So I think they kind of just made it easier where, why do we have to send them all the way to Japan? You're going to be out here doing this show here. We'll just send them here. It's a lot cheaper and right. you're going to get a, probably a bigger pop from them out here because they're more known out here than they would be in Japan. But the Japan people like the Japan wrestling fans are so knowledgeable out there where I think if a wrestler showed up out there, that they, they kind of hurts their fan base of seeing american talent as often as where we probably get to see the J J japanese talent out here more just because they're running more shows out here so i think it's like give and take uh with that kind of stuff but i mean that's kind of a it, it's so weird i'm gonna say this out loud but it feels kind of weird like that's a problem with just wrestling in general is building new stars but it mm -hmm. seems like we are every show we talk about we're talking about a young pillar or this young talent that's new or this young talent that's new we're I think in my mind, I'm seeing there's a lot of young talent out there that can be pushed to the moon and carry a company eventually. As of right now, they're still 22, 23, 18, 16. Like they're still under 25. And that is like unheard of for a wrestler that young to get kind of the company thrown on their back to carry a company because they're still yeah. kind of growing as a competitor and wrestler. But I just think that's kind of a problem We I uh, that I hear a lot out here. But when I'm watching GCW... I don't really see it. I think the future is for wrestling just right as hell because we see all these talents quite often now and all these different indie promotions, which is very good because that's going to help them grow at a faster rate, learning different styles, traveling, getting new knowledge of wrestling and stuff like that. And I, I don't see, I kind of see the ultimate big picture of people saying that there's no stars that could be out there. There's like, we're having a, trouble building the talent 
I just mm-hmm. think that falls on the shoulders of two people and the whole entire wrestling industry of why. Like, that's uh, their problem. As a fan, I, I, if you can't book uh, Nick Wayne in the in a couple years to be the next face of your company, Titus Alexander, future franchiser, Jordan Oliver, Blake Christian. Um, just I'm just trying to think of just the, the names. that um, Speedball Mike Bailey. Like, if you can't oh, yeah. make stars of those kind of wrestlers and that kind of talent at such a young age... That's a you problem because you could to start you could do that right now with building up video packages and helping them out and booking them at such a young age. There should be no excuse where you can say, "Oh, nobody wants it. Nobody, we don't have. There's not any good young talent around." I, I call complete bullshit on that because I know every time we cover a GCW show, we're talking about young pillars, young franchises, young great talent. Where let's see in five years, holy shit, what can they do? Because we've seen the growth of what they've done in five months. Like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. It's I, I I understand the ultimate big picture of it, but it just sounds like, hey, if you're one of those two people, three people that run these major companies, if you can't, if you come out and say, oh, we got no future stars, we don't know who's going to take the ball from uh, Josh Alexander and Impact or Roman. Like I guess those are very very different examples, but like if you can't build it, like build up a star, that's a you problem because there's plenty of talent out there that is just waiting to be taken to that next level that can carry a company. And I think there's a lot of talent out there that could do that, which like, I'm excited for the future of wrestling. I don't know. I hear a lot of people say like, Oh, it's like not looking good. We can't build new stars. The same people. That's why we got to bring in the old veterans here. It's like, no, that's not the case at all. It's just bad booking, lazy booking and falling, not using that as excuses. Complete bullshit to me. So let's, uh, Let's have a little comedy spot. You ready? All right. Go ahead and go over to Google when you have a chance there. You ready? Yes, sir. I want you to pick I want you to grab a picture of George South real quick. Just put it up. Just a picture of George South. And I want you a separate Google window. And I want you to grab a picture of Gilberg. Current time. G-I-L-L-B-E-R-G, my friend. Look at the difference between the two. And you would swear they're cousins or brothers. I just, I had to do this. I don't care if it's even while we're recording. It's something fun. It's just if you look at it, you go, oh, my gosh, they I actually saw a picture of Gilbert. I thought it was George South. I went, oh, no, I guess it wasn't. I've seen it. Yeah, I've, I can't unsee it. It's just there. Like they could be cousins. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but yeah, they could be cousins. <laughs> so did you, so you want to do some memorable moments? Yes, let's hop in the memorable moments. Yeah. This was a fun. This this show was fantastic. I loved it. Like uh, we, we it was a good uh, finisher. Yeah, I watched this right after we recorded our last episode since uh, yeah. the the tape delay kind of hurt all that stuff, which is why we have added this onto the end of that one because um, just to kind of make it easier for the fans. It will be. I know it's a longer episode, close to three hours, but three hours of GCW in Japan content. If you're enjoying it, it's there. If you want to go to a specific match, more than welcome to fast forward, but. We just wanted to kind of put it all in one and make it a little easier to put out there for the fans out there to listen to all three shows that GCW happened in Japan. But I'll let you go on to your memorable moments of the. Okay, so Wayne and Oliver tag team, fucking fantastic. It was a memorable moment because that was the first time I had seen them with the matching shirt and pants. Love it. The Effie Kiku match being fantastically cute. This is one of my, no, this is my favorite version of Effie. I like the cute, fantastic, fun kind of Effie. The uh, match three, the third match, and everything onward to me just being very violent. 
And then lastly was the demons coming out in Janela while he's pulling the <laughs> tattoo needle out of his cheeks. Uh, to me, I think that's going to be one of those images of the year. It's just wow. But yeah, those are my those are my memorable moments. I kept it nice and sweet because I had a feeling we were going to go over quite a bit of this extensively, and and we definitely did. Um, I think it was yeah, worth this it was too, this, was this was my was, favorite. Night. Yep, that was, that yeah. was just about to say. I think it was worth it. We kind of extended this one longer than the other ones because i was just about to say the exact same thing i think this one was the show the best show out of the three shows that they had um not a knock on the other two like the other two were fantastic as well but i think in its own little way this one kind of checked a lot of boxes as a wrestling fan that see would they attend a wrestling show or watch it on fight tv or on their tv because it had the action technical abilities with jordan and nick going against Drew and jimmy lloyd i would like to kind of see drew in this kind of traditional setting a little bit more often to kind mm-hmm. of give his body a break from the death mattress. Cause Lord knows he needs it probably as much death mattress and as he's had. Um, and he could definitely hold his own and be an incredible wrestler. So for me, he's just seeing Jordan and drew kind of have that little moment at the beginning of the night to kind of start it off was very cool. Seeing um, Effie Kikutaro match of the whole, all three nights, just because of the entertainment value that they did. Like I said, I went, as you were talking about, I went back and I was like dying laughing again just on that spot with Scarlett Donovan too. So um, yeah. FB and Kikutaro definitely had the match of the, the <laughs> most fun match of the weekend for me. Um, and then, yeah, the, as the rest of the night, as you said, just picked up the violence, just continued. Joey Takuda destroyed it. Awesome chemistry that they had. Definitely would want to see them run it back. Reno versus Cole, champion versus champion. Very nice seeing that and kind of having little bit story element added to this uh show because we kind of were missing it but they both killed it and were very good champions um and yeah the main event was top of the line deathmatch wrestling for me yes just to see those probably you asked me probably who my four was uh sorry john wayne murdoch i probably would have substituted you out on this one for drew parker but you are probably having the best year this year for gcw i even gave you the shout out there so don't come at me, Rabbit King. But uh, <laughs> just for the just for the sake of that match, I would have liked to see Drew Parker inserted into that match just to see. In my mind, those are the top four um, deathmatch wrestlers that I, in my book, those are literally the top four I have in my my mind. So um, seeing all four of those competitors, and as I said, kind of very fortunate enough to still see Jun Kasai and Takeda at the top of their game at their age and still put it on. Like, like I said, it wasn't a, let's just get them through this match and try to hide them. They could still go, and it was incredible watching. And um, and John Wayne Murdoch still taking the beating of the month. Uh, yeah. The most beating out of anybody in GCW roster month. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I feel bad saying what I just said. That's why I mean, like, John, I love you. You are the, my, like, as I say, the top deathmatch wrestler this year, I think it has to be you in my book. Um. But unfortunately, I'd like to see Drew in that kind of match just to kind of see it. But Drew, still so young. Hopefully, we'll, I get to see Drew against Kasai. I know I'll see Drew against Takeda again. Uh, a fan on Twitter pointed that out to me. So I actually, because of that uh, little tweet here, I'm actually, I started watching a little bit of kind of the buildup and the history of Takeda versus Parker, which has kind of been fun seeing completely new footage and stuff that I've never, matches that I've never seen. So it's been kind of fine, fun diving into Drew Parker's deathmatch catalog and Takeda's as well. So um, yeah, this was fun, fun three shows, but this show definitely probably the best one in my opinion of the night or of the weekend. And it was just fun. It's been, I think it's always fun whenever they go out to Japan because 
uh you just know that in japan they're gonna give gcw the love i might not have been as vocal as liverpool because of certain restrictions but you could tell that they were the fans were very happy to see gcw out there they're very happy to uh see jimmy lloyd and slack on their uh, in their ring again so i enjoyed the weekend great great three nights of wrestling it was like gcw is running shows and then they go to england and the crowd gets turned up they go to japan and the crowd gets turned down yeah they come back home and then the crowd's just right again yeah um yeah i i yeah i don't have much more to say honestly myself i just wanted to say that john wayne murdoch is the fucking man too i i had to put my yes. two cents in um and thank you gcw again i think everybody over there appreciated it it looks like all the pictures and everything epi said that gcw's way over in japan so yeah just seeing the job, merch yeah. lines i know we talked about last time but just like seeing those merch lines they're bigger than yeah. kind of what they yeah. are out here which is it's just incredible to see i it's to me, it still feels like a small company, maybe because I still kind of feel like I'm brand new to it only because I've been following it less than two years. But I would say in those last two years, I've literally turned that company into <laughs> now I'm like almost my life because I'm spending hours of the week, not just watching it, but now recording it and yep. talking about it, stuff like that. Like it's just for me seeing it from the first time and not expecting anything at all from it other than I get to see Leo Rush. This is a cool thing. And to be at that first event and having it blow my mind to getting now seeing something that's that I know is not as popular as the top three, four companies, but I don't need it to be. I like it how it is and seeing the different venues, the different fights, different matchups, the craziness, the um, innovativeness, the young talent and seeing them now like going to Japan, going to England. It just blows my mind that this company is that popular where they could still yeah, do that stuff. Yeah. And like, that's just my ignorance. It's just very cool seeing it on my end, seeing like, I don't know, just doesn't feel like a little kid growing up, but it just feels like, Hey, like I'm very, I'm happy for the wrestlers seeing their happiness. Like during these pictures that we're seeing them of enjoying the time out in Japan and performing out there, because I know that's probably a lot of checks on a lot of bucket lists that a lot of uh, the wrestlers got to do there. And it's, very cool to see that GCW is providing that opportunity. And it's very cool seeing the fans all over the world giving GCW that love and respect for them to take that risk to go out there. So it's just been cool to see. Um, yeah, I I enjoyed this uh, these three days. Um, it leads us into our Fight Club, a very lot of lot to talk about from Fight Club. Um, I think we will probably go back to our normal format and do one show at a time and kind of talk about it a lot more just because we have a lot more storylines again a lot more a lot more stuff going on in the gcw world as it kind of heads into one of its biggest nights of the year as nick gage defended his belt against john beer versus title so uh we will be covering fight club this week um they just announced a gcw show a couple hours ago for the sediment series part oh were they on four or five um so that might show might get pushed back a couple days while we play catch up for the other shows because those other shows will probably have a lot more to talk about while this settlement series part 500 whatever it's on um is kind of being thrown together but we will give it a review it just might be kind of pushed to the back burner until we catch up on everything else that we feel is kind of more important and more noteworthy to talk maybe shove jcw versus the world in with uh the settlement series kind of do a that's yeah that's i don't what, know we'll, we'll no, figure it yeah, out that's it that's a, kind of what i was thinking too i think we should do like uh a condensed club, show yeah fight club night one, one whole show fight club night two whole show and then putting together jcw and gcw sediment series that's kind of what i was talking about 
we talked about it over the year but that's probably where we're heading to when we record these podcasts um uh we'll try to play catch up i do have to take a couple days off of recording this week so that will will probably still back us up a little bit Uh, i know that gcw has shows coming up in uh mexico in the next or this week actually this weekend i just have not seen it anywhere on fight tv so i do not know if it will be out for us to watch uh live or if they're going to record it and put it out at a later date like how they did these uh these japan shows so whenever uh if Fight Club versus Vanguardia or Fight or not Fight Club, sorry, GCW versus Vanguardia comes out, or if the GCW versus Mexico show comes out, we will uh record another podcast accordingly based off of when it is released. But that's kind of the plan right now is to catch up on Fight Club as there's a lot of different stuff to talk about there. Then we will kind of get into the subcategories of GCW as they just keep on going and going and fucking going. <laughs> We're just on their train playing catch up. So uh it's been fun though. I can't wait to talk. It's been fun and tiring. <laughs> yeah, tiring to a point to where you'll say shit like "toot toot 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 bitch." It happened. Oh goodness gracious! Is there anything else you wanted to add on before we send the listeners off? Happy as hell, thankful as fuck. Yes, thank you all again for listening to us again. I know our schedule has not been consistent. Um, it is. It is what it is. We try our best. We're not getting paid here, so it's not like we could quit our shoot jobs and do this. Uh, we're just doing this for fun. We're just trying to get some more fans out there. I'm when- still stripping. <laughs> that explains why we had to put off five podcasts a couple weeks ago. That explains a lot now. Yeah, that explains all them dollar bills behind me here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we will do our best we can. We will play catch up. I do just want to say it is appreciated you guys listening to us as often as you guys have been. Um and giving us the feedback online. We've been kind of interacting with some fans about the show, so it's been kind of fun doing that. And um, we will do our best and just keep on putting out shows as we can. But I do want to thank you all for the patience and understanding of letting us not do a more scheduled kind of releases. Life happens. We both have full jobs and stuff. So I just wanted to say thank you guys out there for still listening um, and supporting as as you guys are because it has been fun doing these things and it's still always motivating after we see new numbers when we release podcasts to motivate us to even when we're tired to hop back in it and get in the lab and record another one get our thoughts out of our mind because lord knows both of our wives can't hear us for two days talking about gcw we have to get on the mic and put it out there somehow some way (laughs) so on behalf of myself and mr john j wolf we will catch you on our next episode covering gcw fight club night one and as we always do long live live g c c oh that wasn't bad oh my toot toot